Hello again, fellow basement dwellers. It's your good friend Patrick O'Dowd welcoming you in to another edition of Bandwagon Nerds, where we are going to spend a ton of time today going over the season finale of The Boys and what a finale it was, and was privileged to be able to bring in an even larger panel this week than we did last week. First, let me welcome in my regular co-host, my good friend, the lawyer himself, Mr. David Ungar. David, how you doing, sir? California still on fire? Question mark. Uh, probably it is. But today's like the first day since I'm just verifying this. This is like the first day since late May, early June that the temperature won't be above 80. So that's that's good. All right, starting to finally feel a little bit like fall. Uh, well, Get you. it's going to go back Ish. into the 90s next week, but you know, we have one day of a uh, halfway not all shitty weather. Well, probably. We're all going to die. But oh yeah, my God. the state's still on Here, fire. The, the earth is on fire. Well, hang in there. I think things will, you'll, you'll, you'll pull through. I'm, I'm sure. I mean, well, I mean, it is Bakersfield, so I guess maybe you won't pull through. I'm not, I'm not sure. Now, if any place should burn, it's this place, but it's not. So. But, I, you know, I'm kind of excited. We have a guest host that is going to be with us for the next five, count them, five episodes, sir, as we head into the one-year anniversary. He's done a guest stint already. I did his first guest stint a couple of weeks ago, and we're welcoming back. Very excited to have on the show Mr. Ray Cash. Ray, welcome back to the program, and settle in, sir, because you got five weeks of us. Um, can we re- can we renegotiate my contract real quick, like live on air? Because if it's got five weeks, we we have some terms we need to work There's on. Concerns? Okay. We have some terms. So, I mean, we have we have a, we have a lawyer on the show. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. I can negotiate a one sided contract for you. I Ray. No problem. Run down. I will only run down your opinion three times a show. Look, I don't care about you running down my opinion, but we cannot have another show like last time where all we do is just shit on Zack Snyder. And shit on um, Scott Pilgrim. Like we need to do better. I like I like Ray. I like Ray a lot. Scott Pilgrim. Uh, It's a very (laughs) man movie. You look at you. You. So for those of you who don't know, the East German judge returned and reviewed (laughs) Scott Pilgrim versus the World this week on the Nerd Review. And boy, howdy, did did I unleash some feelings from Dave? And we can get into that a little bit later. But we got two other guys on hold right now that I want to bring in back from last week. We've got the voice of the chair shot, Mr. Christopher Platt. Welcome back to the bandwagon. How you doing, sir? Greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen. Patrick, I am doing fantastically well and only getting better. Little pissy, though, you didn't bring me on for the uh, sit on, shit on Jack Zack Snyder fest because I would have fit in like a glove, man. I mean, his movies are explosions and big cock pieces. That's a Zack Snyder movie right there. That's it. In slow motion. That's Corsese, too. What's the difference? He's got an N-word, and he's got better storylines. No, that's Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> that, that's Scorsese as well. But he, <laughs> I mean, this feels like an episode all of its own. We can just do a whole count point counterpoint episode. We'll get a referee. You know, we'll we'll have five people. Wait, we do have five people on the show. And maybe the fifth man. Yeah, the fifth man could be the referee over there in. The, the hot spot of the country right now. Tony, I'm getting worried about you. Welcome back to the show, PC Tony. How you how you holding up over there, man? Things are going crazy in Wisconsin. I'm good. Yeah, everything's good here in in uh in Tunnyville. Tunnyville, Tunny Tunny Town. Tunny Town. Uh, everything's well, been well, fine here. I you know, it's 
it's weird because you you see all these things going on and you hear about it and then you watch all these political debates and God, I can't wait for us to get past the first week in November so I don't have to listen to this horse shit anymore. But you know, even we got the NFL now and COVID and that thing. But I'm really just here today to kind of be a an audience live. I really wouldn't have any other time uh, during the week to listen to this podcast, so I figured I would just come listen to it live as it's being recorded. Chris, <laughs> why are you looking at me sideways? Because <laughs> this is the first time I've talked to you in a week, man. Like y'all don't know, man. Tony and I, we we tend to talk a lot. Like this is the longest since we've been doing this thing, and really since we've been friends. This is the longest that I've gone without speaking to Tony. So I'm just glad you're okay. First and foremost, it's good to see you, Melon Farmer. Hi, how you doing? You know, you can send me text messages. You you know the phone works both ways too, sir. See, I didn't bring it up. <laughs> it's a rare moment of honesty between Tunny and Platt here. Listeners of the bandwagon are usually they are right. just burying each other. And now you get to see their true feelings of affection and compassion. It's almost. Where you been, man? Where you been? Okay, if we go go inside of baseball. I hit you up last week, Melon Farmer, oh, making up really on really you and making sure you were I okay. So, so here I was thinking we had a moderator. Now I'm, I'm not so sure that uh, I wouldn't know a... where to be. I wouldn't know where to begin on how to moderate. Just I, I can attest to that. Just <laughs> agree. Just agree with okay, Platt that yeah, Zack Snyder is trash. It's coming back to me now. Whoever's on the opposite side of Platt generally wins these types of things. Uh, Go ahead, Patrick. Yeah, take control of the this. show. I don't, I don't need this. Well I don't me. need this. That does that not go well. well for me then because Zack Snyder was trash and you all should know it. And God. Scott Pilgrim versus the world is a very meh movie at best. But I digress. We have a relatively light. It's interesting. We have a relatively light agenda this week with a ton packed into this first hour. We're going to we're going to dive into the boys episode eight from from season two the series uh, season finale definitely not the series finale we know it's coming back for a season three with all five of us here on the program and then at the break we will bid happy trails to to chris and tony but we're going to be bringing on a guest we got an interview uh guy by the name of tim carlson who's the owner of staff and branch uh local business uh and has been doing some work in the gaming world uh, and like board gaming, like Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that. And wanted to talk to him about his little business and what he's been doing in the pandemic. Uh, also a fellow nerd, so I'm sure we'll be able to get his insight. Dave, the board gamer that he is, will have plenty that he'll want to talk to talk about. He always does. Um, but also get into his pop culture stuff. He, he's got a lot, of, um, a lot of good things for us. And then we're going to close out the show by talking a little bit about what we missed. As I, I put this out in our in our group, we're terrible nerds. They have revoked our nerd card, Patrick. I heard that that was coming. Because because the second largest comic convention happened virtually this weekend, and we said nary a word about it until I was like, oh, shit, the New York Comic Con happens this weekend. And so there was some good nuggets, some stuff that dropped out. uh, And so we want to talk a little bit about what we saw at a New York Comic Con to close out the show. But we'll do all that on the second half. I forgot to mention this when I opened the show. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds, which is part of the Chairshot Media Group on thechairshot.com. Always use your head, yada, 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 slogan and slogan. I don't really want to get into paying the bills too much because I want to dive right into the, the boys' season eight. I, I'm going to approach this the same way that we approached it last week, fellas. I wrote down, watched watched it this morning and had seven 
points that really stood out to me. And with the five of us, you know, I want us to be able to to have the opportunity to kind of have a dialogue and a discussion. And so I'm hoping that we can do like we did last week to kind of guide those through. I see uh, Ray's already got the notebook out. You've got seven points. I need to write this shit down, bro. All right. So here are the seven points and we'll go through in order. We got that opening PSA. We're going to talk about the great custody battle of 2020. <laughs> Becca, no. Pop. Girls get it done. What happens next with Stormfront? A train is back, and the deep says fuck Fresca <laughs> and Victoria Newman. Those are our seven that I've got, and I'm sure others will others will have something to interject. Now, everybody here I know has already watched the episode. We're going to start this the way we did last time. We're just going to do our hot take reactions to what we saw watching episode eight and i'm gonna kick it off with the guy who says he's just watching the show anyway mr pc tunny do you have a hot take reaction to the season finale i have a hot take reaction to your rundown i think you found a title the you know bandwagon nerds fuck fresca fuck fresca that's a good one i'm I'm on it yeah the show you know what i kind of like how they wrapped up the show and didn't kind of leave a big cliffhanger, but I'm also looking forward to see what they're going to do with the rest of the show. It was slow to start that episode, but you figured that would kind of be the way after we exploded heads for the last, you know, 45 seconds of the penultimate episode. Uh, but it, it was great. This is a great series. I can't wait for more out of these episodes. The, you know, I talk about all the time the the actors that they put together and assemble for these shows, and and these people are doing a great job in these roles, and the writing has been excellent. I'm thoroughly entertained. That's my hot take reaction. I, I know it's not really a hot take, but damn, when's the third season coming out? Never. 2027. Mm-hmm. Next quarantine. Hashtag 2027. <laughs> that is the Bandwagon Nerds official hashtag from now on. Right. <laughs> Sweet. That's that's the shirt we need to get on Pro Wrestling that's, Tees. That's it. The Bandwagon Nerds hashtag coming 2027. Yeah. Ray, why don't you, you were, you weren't on the show. You haven't been on the show for a couple of weeks. Your hot take reaction to the end of season two here for the boys. Um, the, so as, as Tony said, fuck Fresca, the one that comes to me is white genocide. Because when she said that to Ryan, home letter was like, wait, what? <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> so that will forever but take away. I also like to, like to mention that I love, season finales that feel that are that feel longer than they really are. That season finale felt about two hours and it like ran at like one ten. Like a minute, right. like an hour and ten minutes. That's fantastic because that means I'm so enthralled, I've lost track of the time, and you've given me more than I expected to get. Season finale was fantastic. Uh we'll get into your points because I got shit about all of them. But yeah, yeah, when you the white genocide she killed me, bro. Like I was and I was in the bed rolling. David, what about you? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's probably better just to get into all the points because there's, there's as usual too much going on, and yeah, I don't want you, to, kinda, I don't want you to do a plot summary. No, I, I don't want to do that. I, I mean, it is it, like the thing that at the end, it's, it's almost like, like, like Ray was saying or Tony was saying, there wasn't a big cliffhanger. In fact, at the end, it's like. Okay, everything's kind of resolved. Everybody's kind of going on their own way. There's lots of sort of happy endings, except Butcher. And then you get the sort. The one thing I'll say is, like, remember last week? I think we were talking, and and most of us were just absolutely sure we knew who was blowing heads up 
and we were wrong. So before you go in to fact, plan, Patrick, didn't you bet this. your house on that? Or oh no, that was somebody else. I, I did. I no. I I, w- I actually literally before we started recording because I hadn't got. I always try to listen back to the episode after after it drops so I can give myself some feedback and, and hear how it goes. But I, I did say that I would sit here and eat crow because I was certain. I mean, I was certain that I knew who was responsible for the incident at the hearing and blowing up all the heads and who it was going to be. And we're, we're going to get into it later when we talk about this a little bit more deeply. I was completely wrong. I was thoroughly off base on all levels. I am. I was incorrect, but I did not bet my house. All right. Well, I can cook, cook some crow on the Traeger for you if you want and make it season it up real well. Wow. So it tastes better. <laughs> Is that a rub? You use a rub on that, or yeah. is that more? Yeah, they got they got wet, wet or dry. They got super crow rub or something like that. Facebook okay. fo- Facebook followers of David Ongar will be able to see it this afternoon when he puts it on his 3D picture as his Facebook status. That's right. Patrick's crow specialty. Listen, Massachusetts if crow. Third, if, if we don't get a third season, you can blame my mom. I got her to watch this, and I asked her the other day, "What did she think of the finale?" I asked her yesterday, and she goes. I love how they wrapped it up, but it can almost just be over right now. And I'm like, you don't say things like that. <laughs> you, you're absolutely right. Christopher Platt, j- jump in with your thoughts before we, well, Dave, we dive into it. Well, Dave and PC, they kind of, uh, I'm going to piggyback off what they said, because those were my initial thoughts. I'm thinking that the writers weren't necessarily sure that they were going to get a season three. So, as, as, you know, as a result... Most of our protagonists, they got happy-ish endings, if we could say. I mean, you know, I don't want to step too many too much on some of the points that are going to be made, but like the the Jane Lynch looking bitch that that founded the boys, I always forget her name. Dog. You know, she kind of got her redemption storyline. I'm assuming Dog. that Ryan is going to go off with. I'm, I'm assuming that Ryan is going to go off with her, so that's her redemption <laughs> for you know she couldn't save her grandkids, so that's her redemption line. Maybe uh, you are gonna, the weakest link. Oh, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> you know, Huey. Um, Huey and Starlight made it official, and he's trying to go off to have an actual life for once. Mother's Milk got reunited with his family. Uh, I mean, all, all, all the charges were dropped against the boys, and we got to watch the Nazi bitch die. And I feel as if I, I, I can speak for my brother David on, on this particular situation where it's very cathartic to see a Nazi burned alive. It, it just is. But at the same point in time, they left enough cliffhangers, and I'm sure we're going to get into that, so I'm not going to step on Patrick's points. But they did leave a couple of cliffhangers to where, all right, we can kind of get a sense of where they're going with season three. And that's what I kind of walked away from, too, is that this is a classic show reset. So you look at, and if you remember what I said last week, that episode seven felt like it could have been the series finale. Like, you could have ended episode seven and been like yep that's that's what we got and this was it was such a a a come down from all of this craziness that happened in episode seven and we get to episode eight and it's it really was it's funny for the boys it was kind of low-key even though some like messed up stuff happened a lot of things were resolved and yet there is a direction for for season eight and of season three, sorry. And so we're gonna that'll be how we kind of wrap up this show or this uh, this review of of the boys season two. But before we get to all that, once again, as we talk about the land of on the nose, 
and the way that the boys has been this big reflection of our current state of America, the opening PSA that, that they drop with this, you know, uh, a mock, not a, a mock-up of those active shooter videos and drills that kids are going through now, which is just a mock-up of duck and cover from the sixties when talking about impending nuclear threat, nuclear threats. And just, I, it's almost, I don't know. It's, it's not subtle by any stretch of the imagination. At least like, I feel like I'm getting hit over the head with a sledgehammer by it. But at the same time, I'm just like, this is beautiful. Like, this is just such a beautiful thing. And just yet another reflection of who we are and, really trying to shine what I hope is a negative, like just a negative light on how we handle stuff. I mean, your teacher has a gun and you like, that's it. Like teacher has a gun and pray duck and cover. Your teacher has a gun. Watch out for the super terrorist. I popped so hard when they said the teacher has the gun and she pulled out the gun. I popped so hard for that. Just yeah. (laughs) On, on, On the same wavelength that you're talking. It's just, it was so over the top and so ridiculous, but you can see a scenario in which that's where we're heading. Yeah, you yeah. say heading. We're 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 there in some some places. I'm in Texas, so I know it's already kind of. Yeah, happened. they got they got guns at KFC in Texas. You're right. I'm, they yeah, got guns so, at church. Yeah. Sorry, David. Go ahead, bro. No, I was just saying the same thing. I mean, yeah. If uh, when t- if teachers are armed in classrooms, you know, what does that do to the whole school shooting thing? I mean, they've at least got a way to fight back instead of just trying to corral the kids and hope for the best. I mean, it, it's a controversial topic, of course, but it's like, well, you got to give them something in, in non boys related news, but a real feel good story. Sports related. Alex Smith is in the game for the Rams in the Washington football team. So, Oh man. No, that, hey, I'll I like to wish you, I, I, you know what, what is, what do you think his wife said to him when he left for the game today? Break a leg. Hopefully not. <laughs> Damn it, Tony. God. Jeez. Well, that's been our show, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs> you know what? In in the scheme of this show and controversial statements that we have made, do we need to go back to last week and talk about how Christopher Platt doesn't believe survivors? Oh, like, God, damn. let's not just say we did. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> no, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus did the job, and Jesus believed survivors. <laughs> Unlike just saying, Jesus was I, I a survivor, that, so can, can we say that that storyline has been deaded now? I think it's a, a, a fair point to say that that storyline has now been deaded, and the, the there is no more controversy. I'm Wait, just you're, saying, you're, you're glad she's dead. What? Yes, I'm glad. She, uh, yeah, of course, oh. I'm glad. She died. I hope she burns in hell. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Samuel L. Jackson has made an appearance on the show. Welcome to the bandwagon, Sam. Hand me a fresco, motherfucker. Well, let's oh, get into we the get great him in for season battle three? of 2020. Because that, yeah, as you say, Platt, that that storyline is, for lack of a better word, like it's well, it's kind of dead. <laughs> Not kind of. <laughs> yeah, it's totally dead. So, for no those of you who don't know, Ryan was taken away by the government. And has disappeared, and we don't know where Ryan is. This was done after a daring attempt to take Ryan away from Stormfront and and Homelander, who had whisked Ryan away. The kid was having second thoughts. 
And you can actually see the moment where he he realized he'd made a terrible mistake when he's in that restaurant. And everybody is surrounding Homelander and Stormfront for for autographs, and the kid freaks out. And that's when we have this breakdown, and he just wants his mom again. Well, the kid had never been around people. I, I mean, that was right. That was where it all fell apart. He'd never been around people, certainly not in a situation like that. And it it, it really was. It was like with his heightened senses, it was sensory overload. I mean, you could see it happening. And, and- yeah. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, would it would it be maybe more that he was getting more in touch with his senses, his his powers, and that's what triggered it, as opposed to the people, or maybe more of a combination of both? I really think it's kind of like going back if you've read Superman comics or watched anything Superman related. He talks about that that he had to train himself to block out so much of the of uh, the noise from the world, and to me, it was like an homage to that. Like this is kind of what he dealt with. And this kid doesn't know how to handle it at first. And, and, you know, Homelander gets him out of there and says, yeah, yeah, this isn't such a great idea. But that's what it felt like to me. Just like I've never been in this situation. I don't even know the powers I have. And now I'm being overwhelmed with all this stuff. And it felt kind of like that to me. And, And to that point, when Homelander takes him back to the cabin and sits down and talks to him, he says, you know, the first time I was around people, I ran too. And I think that's what makes Homelander such a beautiful character it's because he's a, a prick and I guess a neo-Nazi now by proxy. But at the core of it, he's just a big ass kid who never had a childhood and was forced to do something he never consented to do. And he sees that in Ryan and you can see the dichotomy in him wanting to make him like him, but realizing maybe I shouldn't. And that's when somebody else always kind of pulls him to it. He was trying to get, at first, he was trying to get Ryan away from his mom just because he was jealous he didn't have, he couldn't have a relationship with his son. Then Stormfront was trying to turn him over to their side of things, and it, but the the relationship between those two, I think, is really, really deep in a very sick way, because they're the same person, just massively different ages. And, and not oh uh, my yeah no, yeah yeah yeah, yeah no yeah no go. Not only are they the same person, but the the irony of the whole situation is that. You know, they they recognized their mistakes that they made with Homelander and they were trying to correct those with Ryan. But it's literally the exact same situation. There's still both of them were still isolated. Yes, he had a mother that loved him, but they were still both isolated. And you can see it in some of Ryan's interests. I mean, this Melon Farmer is making Lego blindside movies on YouTube like he's a weirdo. And, you know, part of that is he lacks social interaction, which is similar because it's the exact same way that Homelander was raised. That's so deep because Homelander was was raised with hate and Ryan was raised with love. But they both missed the isolate. They both missed that isolation was what made them who they were, not the love or the hate. I think. Exactly. No, I think they were both they were both lied to is what the key to the connection right. that they have. You know, that's that's the key right there. Yeah, that's always been my biggest problem with with the way Becca chose to raise Ryan is her decision to completely hide Ryan's reality and his truth was a was what led him to then make what we would all agree and that he realizes later was a horrible decision. And I think this is to me as a parent watching Becca like you empathize with that desire to protect your child and and that desire to want to keep from them this harmful reality and this truth and what is hard for parents to see sometimes and in particularly 
you know, when you're looking in particular with, with a superhero sort of in the backdrop, you, you see the monster that his father became and you don't want him to become that monster. And so you try to hide it from him, but by hiding it from him, you open, it opens up an opportunity for him to be corrupted in a way that, that could, was, was potentially very, very dangerous. Well, let me flip it for you. Yep. You have kids. Dave, do you have kids? Mm-hmm. Yep. Got two. So you ever, if you ever tell your kid, don't touch that, you're not supposed to touch that. What's the first thing your kid's going to go do? Go touch, touch it. it. Touch, touch it. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Responsibly but, you know, obey our, you. Exactly. But our kids don't have, like, laser eyes and can fly and can kill people with the thought. So it's a little different when my sure. dumbass kid burns their hand on the stove. Okay, just put some ice on it. Go to the hospital. We good. This right. dude killed two people with just like a blink. So like it's a little different. Right. It should give you a, a better appreciation for the Kents and how off the rails that situation could have been if Kyle didn't land in that field and get picked up by Martha and well, Jonathan Kent. Go, go watch Bright- Brightburn. Yeah, Brightburn. I was just gonna say, go watch Brightburn to see how it could have gone wrong. <laughs> I, I thought for a second you were going to have the audacity to go Kevin Costner, Pa Kent. Now I was about to just turn off the podcast. He was all no, right. No, that's, that's a Zach No, Snyder he was terrible. Person. That is that not you? Yeah, he I know sacrifices you. himself yeah, so down. the world won't learn about his son. Oh, that's... look at Ray, Ray's like all my head. Hey, Ray, Ray, I feel he's, I feel you, my friend. I mean, you, you and I are simpatico on here, but you know, Chris well, Platt. Chris it. Platt is the. Charter member of the Margot Kidder fan club. So, you know, oh, yeah. true. He, created, he, he founded the Margot Kidder fan club. While, while, while we're at it, while I'm getting my shit in, so to speak, let's just get it out of the way right now. The Rise of Skywalker is still trash. Anyway, <laughs> Becca pays the ultimate price, though. Can I say that I hate Becca as a character? Well, I, you I, don't have to worry about it anymore. I, you well, can yes, say whatever sir. you want. Tell, now, tell yeah. us more, Ray. Tell, tell us more. Becca reminds me so much, and I didn't watch enough of it to really get the true hate, but I get it. You guys, I'm sure, can blow it a little better about it. But she reminds me so much of Skyler from Breaking Bad. Just, like, always doing the wrong shit for no fucking reason. Right? Like, they had her out. Butcher had them. And she was like, nah, my kid. And then at the end of it, take care of my kid. What are you, like... And then one more thing real quick, Patrick. I don't know that she loves him purely. I think that she is motivated by hatred for Homelander. We know love and hate are on the same plane. Just a step to the left, a step to the right. Yeah. There, there is this because we talked about this a little bit last week on the show, where oh, she she made the wrong decision by not taking the out. The other thing we're forgetting is what Butcher said about Ryan and how he saw Ryan, and that he, and even in this show. You know, he has a redemption moment, which we which we didn't really talk about. Like he cut a deal to get rid of Ryan and just take Becca. And then he couldn't do it at the at the end. He couldn't do it. He loved Becca so much and saw how much she kept making him swear to protect that kid that he decided not to go through with the plan and the double cross he had with Vaught. But in that episode where she has the opportunity to to take him and go, he he she gets it. He she gets him to admit that he sees it. He sees Ryan as another soup that's a danger needs to be eliminated, and that's why ultimately she doesn't go with him. And so there, there is kind of another part of it that 
you know, I don't know. I don't necessarily buy it entirely that 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 out was the right call because Butcher's intent. Butcher had bad intentions with that kid at that episode. Well, that's why I don't necessarily buy that the sexual encounter between Becca and Homelander wasn't consensual. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm not trying to go back there. Ladies, I believe you. I love you. Matter of fact, if you get sexually assaulted, holler at me. Slide in my DMs. I'll come beat the Mellon Farmer's ass. I don't play that shit. I don't like that shit. I don't know that. Okay. It, hopefully, it, the intent was good there, but it didn't come off. It wasn't necessary. You know, <laughs> let's just move on. Okay. Yeah, let's move on. This heavily censored episode of Bandwagon Nerds is brought to you by TheChairShot.com. But you guys are saying that Ryan went with the government, and I was under the assumption that he was going to go with Jane Lynch. And again, that's why I say that was her redemption arc. Who works for the government. Well, okay, touche, touche, touche. Basically, he's a foster kid now, basically. Touche. But I think that's her redemption arc. Let me ask you guys, how did Becca die? Because we were trying to figure that out. Ryan lasers Stormfront. And, you know, she has a gash to her neck. So we thought, well, he cut her neck open with the laser. But my wife was like, wouldn't that cauterize the wound? And I'm like, maybe Stormfront did it before she died? Yeah, it's it's hard to see. I couldn't, I couldn't actually tell. I just saw that, yeah, neck wound bleeding out the neck. I think the storyline or the the story that they were trying to project was that you know, he he finally came into his own and realized he had powers, but he hasn't been trained. He didn't realize he had powers and he couldn't control his powers. So as a result of trying to save his mom, he actually kills his mom. Well, in the same in the same episode, he was trying to do it on cue, but he couldn't. That's when Stormfront told him, you, you got to hate something. Mm-hmm. But the only thing right. he really hates is his dad. Or right. Stormfront. Storm, well, Storm 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 yeah. Anybody Storm Storm yeah. mama. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, he, he don't know how to control that. Somebody call his mama. <laughs> Somebody call him a mama. Yeah, I, uh, I don't. Yeah, I, I'm kind of like you. you know, I think Becca's death was very predictable. I think we all knew that. That's kind of where that arc had to end. I will be interested to see if the Ryan character continues, or or when the Ryan character continues, how that will weigh on him. I thought that Butcher and his moment with the. Uh, Again, kind of cliche St. Christopher medallion moment gives you hope. You know, and I think one of you said that Butcher's story didn't end happily necessarily. I don't know if I completely buy that. I think that he's he's changed for the better. And while he did lose Becca and and that was his sort of motivating factor, she also taught him and he and he sees something different in supers. And and is holding that memory. Ray completely disagrees, which is fine. Hey, so nobody's top butcher shit, but Huey. The only person that's ever top butcher shit is Huey. And, well, and that's and that's that's the we, everybody keeps saying that. If you've noticed, that's been the central theme throughout all of season two. Everybody's been saying Huey's good for you. Huey's good for you. Yeah, I would. I well, mean, now, with Butcher, he lost the most most important thing in his life. So I don't. I can't reconcile that that's a happy ending for him i mean maybe he's found some level of acceptance certainly not i'm peace. thinking closure uh, i, I, I mean, don't think he's well, had closure yet he, no no closure. I, call, I, mean, I call it bitter i call it a bittersweet bit of closure i'm not saying he's gonna be fine you guys relax like it's okay <laughs> god damn it patrick he's damaged <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, literally, what does he have to live for now? I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, according to season two, the fight is kind of over, and his whole life was driven by revenge. Well, 
there's no well, revenge to be had. Homelander's still out so, there. Homelander's still out there. He was also jerking off on the top of a building. That's where I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I'm gonna shoot my load on the whole world. Yes. Come on, man. One one of the most famous panels in that comic, by the way. Who among us have never jerked off on top of a building? Come on now. Small porch. Small uh one story a ranch house roof. Does the bathroom count, Platt? I'm just wondering. How many (laughs) how many awkward silences are you going for tonight, Platt? Like what what's up, man? My goodness. Yeah, he's making it weird. Have we met? I've been trying to stick up for you, bro, but I, I, you on your own on that one, dog. <laughs> I was like, to... last week, Tony, Tony stood up for Platt last week, and then Platt yells, Becca deserved it. And Tony was like, I'm done. <laughs> like, like Bugs Bunny, I'm out of here. Remember, Platt, Platt the last 2020, folks, we don't give a shit if flies land on us. There you go. There's your new slogan. <laughs> My hair is real, so I would feel it, but that's neither here nor there. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so moving forward in that big kind of chaotic last 20 minutes of the episode as we're trying to get Ryan out, Stormfront and and Homelander are split up managing different issues. Stormfront keeps trying to run them down and get the kids. We have this moment. I I called it Girls Do Get It Done. We we, we got – what? Shout out to Frenchie. Briefly. But for me, it was it was Maeve showing up. Maeve, who was on the fence. We talked about feeling trapped in the last episode. Still talking about being trapped and not wanting anything to do with anything. Kind of wallowing in her grief. I did think it was a little too neat and tidy. Like, I hate everything. Get the fuck out of here. And then, okay, I'm going to help you fight. That, that was a little quick. Uh, and I, I don't really... I didn't see the moment in the connection. But I liked watching Starlight, Kamiko, and Queen Mav, Maeve beat the fuck out of Stormfront for a while. The, love that. Love that whole scene. The connection was Nazi. Yes, I see Nazi was the big connection. I see it the rest of my time. What does Maeve say Fair before enough. she punches her? Hey, Kraut, or something like that, and just yeah, decks yeah. her, man. I was like, that was great. Yeah, I popped for that one, obviously. But uh, yeah, you needed. Maeve was the heavy hitter that they didn't have. I mean,. Kamiko's got her own power set. Starlight's not strong enough. Maeve has that Wonder Woman-ish aspect that was able to kind of turn the tide in that battle, sort of. Stormfront still got out of there. But yeah, that was that was one of the better... Gr- I mean, it was, to me, I don't know, on par, but it was similar to the girl power moment in Endgame. You know, that sort of thing where they did that. It was kind of along those lines, but not as less dramatic. Con- less contrived. Like the if we're yeah, right, the, the, right. in-game, the in-game comparison thing, I hated that scene. I hated that moment because it was not because it wasn't a good moment, but because it was so contrived. It was so like, look at this thing. The the way the the scene felt more organic, I guess. Because yes. you had the three guys trying to like mow her down with guns and blast them out of the way. Store, um, Starlight and Kamiko try to take her down together. And then, like you said, Queen Maeve getting in there really, really fast. I'm glad she knew where to find them. I, I hope she had like a pager or something. <laughs> She's like, yes, she got yes. there. I was like, boom, there she is. Oh, all right. Yeah, because pages are a thing in 2020. But uh, I, I meant to bring this up when I talked about how most of the protagonists got happyish endings. And I, I meant to bring up Queen Maeve in that conversation as well because. That was her redemption. She got an opportunity to once again become a hero. Although, uh, if we're picking nits here, 
I, I, I don't understand the whole, well, I have this uh, cell phone footage, footage of you letting these people die, and if you don't let them go, I'm going to kill you. Why doesn't he just laser everybody and take the phone and just be homelander? But that, that's picking nits. I'm picking well, nits. My argument would be that he, would, he, has, he knows Maeve better than anybody because those two were the ones that were together for the mm-hmm. longest. My argument would be that he knows that Maeve, the only, the only place that video is is not just on that, that, that camera. I'm sure she has somebody else to say, release the video right. if I'm dead. Right. right. And we you don't, die, we, don't we don't know the full extent of Maeve's power. We don't know if she can stand toe to toe with Homelander. I mean, if we're drawn and there's a lot of Superman comparisons in this episode, like Ryan is similar to the kid in Superman Returns. who doesn't know he has powers mm-hmm. until something triggers it. You know, so maybe there was some of that where Homelander doesn't know whether he can actually take Maeve, although I suspect he could. And he's like, yeah, maybe I could just laser her. But what if she gets away? That's, you know, um. But yeah, I liked I liked how Maeve just basically bitched Homelander right down and said, "This thing's going out to every place in the world if you don't shut the fuck up." Yeah, she was like, "Look, if you kill me, that's fine, as long as nobody ever loves you again." And she knows that's all Homelander ever wants is mm-hmm. is love, the love yeah. of the people. Yeah. Which is why if we do have a season three, it's going to be interesting because he don't he know that it's gone now. Oh yeah, yeah, well, he, he's he's yeah. off his last nerve. He's off his last tinge. I, I mean, yeah. I, well, I, I think that was part of the seven, so I'll, I'll, I'll save my comments until we get there. Absolutely, yeah. We can, we can actually, uh, we're going to point eight for what it's, what it's worth is going to be our season three speculations and, and what happens next. But speaking about what happens next, so Stormfront, Platt, you said she's dead. Ray, you said she's dead. I don't think she's dead. <laughs> you didn't see her die. And if there's one she thing sure I've learned, look, in, Daddy oh, to me, Daddy said, Murphy. They said, Daddy at Van Halen. They said at that wow, dude. Daddy Kruger. They said, they said at that press conference. I'm about to mute your microphone, sir. Dead Daddy Durst. Van Halen. Daddy Van Halen. Uh, no, you that's a little too close to home. But look, what? Oh, what? look who's talking. You can't talk. Ha ha. Oh, what? What? Oh, that you can't hear those either, everybody. I, 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 can I unmute you? <laughs> it just works one way. That's wow. fantastic. It's over. You only get one Hello. way. I'm back. He's back. He's and back. better than ever. Go ahead, Pat. I'm done, man. I promise I'm done. Are you Are you sure? No, but please continue. I know. I know. All right. All right. <laughs> wielding, wielding my power as only the host should. Anyway. They made a point in that press conference to say that she was away in a secure facility. And just to me, whether or not that's a lying PR thing that they're they're saying, if she were dead, we would see her quote unquote die. And the last thing we saw of her was missing arms, burned to a crisp, spouting German. Like that's the last we saw of her. We didn't see her die. And if there's one thing that any of us have learned out of comic book films, out of all of these shows that we watch, if you don't see them die, they're probably not dead. Did that remind anybody else of Anakin Skywalker or no? That's a little bit. That's exactly what it reminded me of. Or Darth Maul, maybe. Darth Maul, Darth Vader, same thing, missing limbs, burnt to a crisp, you know. I just, you know, she's going to come to in a fucking mental asylum screaming, no. And I'm just gonna be like, all right, that's it. Nine. Yeah, nine. Nine. 
you know, we can't forget though. She has a healing factor, right? So, well, I mean, she is a hundred years old, so yeah. yeah. You got to be a tough broad to live, yeah, hundred year, hundred and one years, yeah. Yeah, she's not dead. I don't think she's dead at all. I don't know how she comes back. That connect sort of thing that's interesting to me. Is what happens? What what will the retribution be when she comes back? Retribution is Mustafa Ali. Sorry, I wow. gotta get that. Yeah, my bad. Uh, I'm so she, wired. She I'm wired. Bring up T bar. T bone. Birds. Oh, sorry. Can I? Can I? May I ask the panel a question, please? And thank you, thank you, please. Because I, I don't know. Okay, I don't know if this is going to come up in the seven, but uh, what's the deal with Edgard? What What do you think the guy the deal is with Edgard, played by the great actor? What is it, uh, Giancarlo Espinito? Did thank I say that? Right? I'm going to say the dude from the Yankees. Yes, that's right. No, he's absolutely he's a great actor, very underrated actor, but wielder of the dark saber. Anyway, go go ahead. Well, Pat. maybe so because the thing is, man, all these superheroes. They fear him. And, you know, I don't use fear lightly. I say they fear him because, I mean, what was to stop Homelander from snapping his neck when they had that conversation, you know, in the top tower or whatever? So what what is it about him that these superheroes bow down to and have reverence towards? What makes him so powerful? He he is Vaughn. Like, I think that's the thing that really, to me, he's this... And he's, and he's Vaughn and he's sinister in a way that the Elizabeth Shue character was not. And that, I'm really struggling to figure out how to how to describe. He just exudes a, a power with with this full force of the company behind him that you just it commands respect. And it's he's the he's the keeper of the keys. He's the one who knows all the secrets. He is he is the company. And he, you know that he's not one to trifle with because he has the full force of kind of, quote unquote, the creators behind him, in my is opinion. It, is, was it, was it um, Patrick Henry or, or some, one of those guys back in the day that said the, the pen is mightier than the sword? Uh, so, yeah. That, that, no, Patrick. Uh, no, that was um, uh, Give Me Liberty to Give Me Death. Who said that? Um, that was Patrick Henry. So whoever said the pen is mightier than the sword is one of them colonial yeah. dudes. Some old white but, dude, but anyway, Sean go ahead. Well, that's that's ninety percent of a lot of things. Um, <laughs> yes, yeah. but but that but that statement is very poignant and very true because ultimately, and I don't have to explain this to you guys. You guys are all smart as hell anyway. But the point is that no matter how powerful you think you are, bureaucracy is always going to overpower everything. At the end of the day, as Patrick said very poignantly. Homelander can do whatever he wants. That's fine. Until the company takes away all his resources and turns... They can flip you on a whim. You saw how quick they flipped the, the Compound V thing? That should have destroyed them. Their stock was back up in like 15 minutes. Like, the, it, you, you, can't, you, you can't stop a rolling train, a rolling rock or a moving train. You can't stop it. And, and that's what um, Stan Edgar... Stan Edgar, right? Yeah. Okay, that's that's what he is. Essentially, he represents that he is at the head of this unstoppable moving train that, you know, as the as the legendary group Goody Mob once said, one monkey don't stop no show. I I think that it's um, I don't think it's coincidental that his first name is Stan either, considering this is a comic book show slash graphic novel. (laughs) Stunned, I tell you. (laughs) 
Speaking about people who are back, by the way, A Trade's back, baby. Yay. Oh, I love that. I love that Plot. where he shows up in the back of the car. Hey, shit birds, you know? <laughs> that freaked me out. Like when he showed, I was like, ah, I was Huey. I was right there with Huey. Platt, you went, eh, what, what's, what's wrong? I mean, it's cool. I mean, I, I talked about this last week. A-Train is out for A-Train. So whatever he needs to do to get back in the spotlight, to get the adulation and the the praise and the glory that all comes with being with the seven, that's what he's going to do. Which, I mean, I guess, well, no, I, I'll, I'll save it because I have another rant, uh, you know, about the AOC character, but I'll, I'll save it till we get to the end. He, 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 sh- he sure did. Uh, and and the poor deep has, has reached his end. Marrying a woman who doesn't even give a good blowjob. That's terrible blowjobs. Oh, Don't undersell it, Patrick. Don't undersell it. Terrible yeah. blowjobs. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't even know how that's a thing. That's That seems Wait. like an oxymoron. Like, I, I've had some better than others, but never had a terrible one. So can, what you're saying, Platt, just... is any blowjob's a good blowjob, right? It's it's like pizza, man. All yeah. right. No. Yeah. No. Tell you, tell you <laughs> no. What if she uses too much teeth? You know, I, I mean, was about to say, yeah, yeah, he must got some skin. Uh, he got <laughs> circumcised twice. <laughs> we are anyway. talking about the same guy who had his gills finger fucked in season one. So <laughs> this is a good well, point. This is a good point. <laughs> he, he didn't like having his gills finger. Oh, fucked. he didn't. He was keeping it from breathing. Here, here's just going to sit I... there and take it. You freak. Right. Yeah. Like, like <laughs> I'm not a superhero. And like, he I'm was just, just like, and he just swallowed was like, yeah. This show wants so badly. It's it's such a fascinating thing as it tries to both make you feel for the deep and yet at the same time realize that this guy sucks ass as a person as well. <laughs> I because, wasn't feeling for him at all. I was more like, oh, that you got what was coming to you. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's so it's so hilarious though because it's like he's this so he's such a sad sack. He's trying so hard to just get his life together. But then he like fucking runs down everything that that you know he's still the same guy. Like that's that's kind of what I was getting at. Tony is like I don't like him, but the show like keeps having him like come close to like getting it, and then he just doesn't fucking get it because he was his wife doing a terrible job. I'd, I'd be disappointed in myself if I didn't say what I'm about to say, even though you guys are all gonna groan and roll your eyes. But what's good for the goose is good for the Gilmeister. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It's funny, man, because it seemed like they were setting him up for a redemption storyline towards the end of season two or season one, rather. And now at the end of season two, that shit's went all the way left. That's the beauty <laughs> of the character, isn't it, though? The beauty of the character right. is, as Pat said, like he goes so far, like uh, look at the shit he's done when he tried to save the dolphin, then fucked up the dolphin. He tried to stop the guys and got the whale killed. <laughs> Like he just can't get it right, bro. <laughs> I, think, I think we can't lost get right. that a little bit too much. Can't that was one of the right. most epic things ever when that and they no. killed the whale. Right. You yeah. know what I always go back to is actually the lobster he tries to free from the grocery store. And so he tries to buy the lobster thinking they're not gonna kill it and they fucking kill it in front of him. You know? And the <laughs> shit, dude, he just don't know what he's doing. The dude really sucks at his <laughs> job. Relationship with these with these mammals and, the, and these sea creatures that we all you know think is hilarious. I mean, didn't we mention it last week? Like when A Train gave him the the goldfish and he holds it up to his ear and he goes, "It already knows my name." <laughs> <laughs> Little victories, Tony. Little teeny tiny victories. 
Oh boy, howdy! And, and yet again, every step forward, he takes about eight steps back, and so. <laughs> and that's the whole thing about it, right? For his character, right. it is his name. He's the deep, right? But oh, how so shallow he is, is he not? Wow! Like, did you write that down? That's a bar. That's a bar. Oh, yes, sir. I write anything down today? Oh my! Go get another. Go get another drink on that. Fuck. That's a, yeah, that we'll, you need we'll to stand of this shit right back. now, bro. Yeah, Costanza, that shit. <laughs> All right. So, like this in a long time. Yeah. So let's 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 bring it to to the big turn at the end of this. And I, uh, Platt, you said you you got some thoughts on what is a blatant, you know, AOC allegory in Victoria Newman. Uh, from the moment this character has been introduced, it's clear that that's that's what she's supposed to represent who she's supposed to be. And, and as we look at this sort of on the nose sort of stuff, this is just another one of those sort of on the nose things. What I think is interesting uh, and has absolutely, no, absolutely no bearing on the conversation really, but this is another one of those shifts that they've made away from the comics. And so in the comic, uh, they gender flipped this character. The character in the book is Victor Newman is a politician that's supposedly working against Vought Though the secrets that kind of get revealed will be interesting to see if the show goes this way, too, is that Victor Newman used to be a CEO of Vought Industry before leaving Vought, going into politics, and eventually becoming president of the United States by virtue of the president dying uh, and and, um, Newman being vice president and taking over as president of the United States in that way. So... We, we're not there yet, and, and who knows if that's the direction. I mean, I think that's the direction they're going, at least with the Newman character, is that Victoria Newman will eventually become president of the United States. But this is where, you know, I talked about eating crow. Victoria Newman is the one who's been off in all these people. And I, I thought it was the escaped psych patient um, hopping in a car hitchhiking. I was wrong. And you know it kind of goes back to what we were talking about. It, it does. It, it, we we all do. I was I've been wrong twice this year. It does happen. But <laughs> no, <laughs> that's but it? Uh, that's uh, it. As as your co-host of the Three Man Weave, it's just twice. I said what I said, whole, sir. You have I a whole bubble's worth of uh, have a whole bubble bubbles worth of wrong, sir. But we can we can I, I worry about that said, another sir. day. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Continue. Prayerfully, we'll worry about that tomorrow. But I, I that depends on uh, Mr. Bloody Mary over there. But but no, just going back to what we were talking about last week about how you know the uh, how this show is steeped in social commentary. I thought that that reveal at the end that was big in in terms of social commentary. It was very pithy because you know it's basically the bottom line is with politics, nobody goes into politics for purely altruistic you know, methods or, or, or reasons. Basically, they're just trying to expand their slice of the pie. And I, I, I know that that is a disease that gets labeled strictly upon the Republicans. But at the same point in time, Democrats and Republicans, they're two sides, they're two wings of the same bird. So I, I, I thought that that was a very important turn that we saw towards the end of that episode. Let us know, like, okay, yeah, it ain't just the Republicans. These other melon farms on the other side, they don't have our best interests in mind either. They, they just talk to us better. You know what I mean? We just like what they say a little bit better. That's all. Oh, yeah. A thousand percent. What, what, was it, what was interesting to me about the kind of reveal is that, one, she acted her ass off at, at, at like the end of episode seven. Cause like, yeah, because she looked like she was super, super duper scared. Terrified. The second part is, 
and I, I think it's pretty clear that well, now that you just told me what you told me about the, the comics, I, I'm questioning my theory. But I think before I heard that, it was pretty clear that she was kind of rogue and on her own, had her own agenda for things, um, especially with her up magically or apparently being given the ability to start this task force, right? Um, but it's interesting to me to see her motivations because every single character on the show, we've known the motivations from the moment we met them. Every character, right? right? Even even the diabolical ones. We don't know her motivations because not only did she kill, she did she she didn't kill one hour. Well, that's everybody's motivation. But I mean, but why? What is it that she wants, right? Because if it's if it's simply power, the soups were the soups were gone. When Vogelbaum or Vinkel Hopper or J- Jacob Jinkelheimer Smith, whatever his name is, <laughs> in the wheelchair was gonna uh, when he was gonna testify, the soups were done. Because he knew, he not only didn't know where the where the bodies were buried, he fucking buried them himself, right? They were finished. She blew them up. So, like, what 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 portion of power is it? What exactly does she want? And sure, the White House will come. But even if she went about it without killing anybody that day, and the soups got the congressional hearing, no more army, no more compound V, bing bang boom, right? She's still the She's still the person who was over that whole process. That would have catapulted her to the White House. So there's a reason she's doing this beyond power. That's what I'm interested to see, because it goes to the the next point. She killed Mr. Fresca. Yep. Well, well, Ray raises a great point. I think revealing that at the very end left you in a position where you're trying to figure out, okay, wait, and you're trying to go back in your mind and say, piece these things together she's killing people on both sides of the coin or the bird that platt's talking about so really yeah what is what is her goal what is her end game where is she going which is all the intrigue into season three i mean she's we're going to talk about that i know touch on that but she's the big point because it's like okay she took out a lot of people that if she's aligned in this corner that doesn't make sense and if she's aligned in the other one that doesn't make sense why she took out that person and, you know, the fact is, and going back to that scene in the courtroom, you know, her, she was running for her life as well. And her eyes weren't glassed over and white like they were when she killed Mr. Fresca, dude. So it, it raises some questions again. And I said it on the last episode, like, we don't know how her powers work. Does she have to have line of sight? Does she have to have some sort of link with them? And, you know, now you're thinking, okay, she was in that courtroom. So she saw everybody who she wanted to take out and She's standing outside talking on the phone with Mr. Fresca, dude. So I'm assuming she can see him. But as soon as he popped that Fresca, didn't you guys just know his head was going to explode? Because I, I, I felt it coming for some reason. Something for sure, yeah. I mean, I laughed. I was like, ah, of course. And it was like, oh. oh, that's what they're doing. You're a sick person, Patrick. But anyway, I, I kind of laughed. Funny. I'm sorry, I kind of laughed, too. You guys are jerks. It, it was satisfying. I got to admit, it was satisfying. Right. So... Now, I think that brings us into then where do we go from here? As as we as, as we wrap this up, you've got Huey, who has decided he wants to stand on his own two feet, walking into Victoria Newman's campaign headquarters to to sign up for a job. Everybody's spread out. We have no idea what Victoria's end game is, and I think that's I think everybody so far has really hit on that. That that's probably going to be the driving force of season three for at least 
the first half of the season is what is Victoria Newman playing at? What is she trying to do? But where else, what else do we have? Where, where do we go for her? She knows about, she knows about the kid. She knows where he is. I'm willing to bet. If she doesn't know, she can find it out. Right. One thing I'm wondering is with season three, do we get a big time jump, like a walking dead time jump where they jump ahead six years so that Ryan's older and, and, and that kind of would create some different options. I mean, right now he's a kid who doesn't really know who he is, what he is, what he's dealing with. If they time jump this thing, and I don't know if they did that in the, in the Patrick's Pat, but you know, if they time jump in the comics, (laughs) Patrick, sorry, in the comics, Patrick, sorry. Uh, But yeah, if they're going to time jump this thing and bring it forward where he's older, like 16, 17, starting, you know, that point where teenagers prefrontal cortexes are developing and things are going weird then I'm really curious to see you got to figure Ryan's going to be a big part of season three. And there's either going to be a reconciliation with his dad or a major showdown at some point in time. But yeah, how Victoria leverages that it's how that brings, you know, the everybody back into the fold. I think they're going to do some kind of time jump, maybe not six years worth like walking dead, but there's going to be some, amount of time elapsing between season two and three. I'm, I'm interested to see what happens with the AOC character. And I think that's probably how the band might get back together when Huey gets in there and he, she, he sees, Oh, she ain't shit either. Maybe that's how we get the crew back together. But the most fascinating character to me personally coming out of season two is Homelander. I mean, this guy, he literally theoretically lost everything. I know we, we, we question Patrick question whether or not Stormfront is dead, but theoretically speaking, he lost his woman, he lost his kid, he lost power and control of the seven, and he's still the most dangerous melon farmer on the face of the planet. So he's going to he's gonna come out swinging come season three. Well, last week you were so offended, I thought you were going to say the most interesting character moving forward is Huey's dad, played by Simon Pegg. <laughs> there, there will be no Simon Pegg slander on these airwaves, sir. We're all nerds here. We all got love for Simon Pegg. Um... So a few things that I'm thinking for next season are I think the deep takes over the church. I oh. think that's I think that's an interesting thing that could happen for him because what else can he do? Um, I don't know. I think the, is the only person that is familiar with the comics in here, Patrick, because there is one major thing that happened in the comics, which is almost sure to happen in season three. And I want to give that away to you guys if you don't guys are interested. No, I read about the. Uh, we're the, the, we're, we're not a spoiler-free show, anyway. So, yeah. and I, I read up on the graphic novels as well. So, yeah, I'm 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 vaguely familiar. So you know, season three, or well, at least in the comics, after this point, the boys all take compound V mm-hmm. to to fight the soups, which mm-hmm. is something that I think is an interesting thing, and which which to Dave's point could maybe possibly bring Butcher back with I guess his new son now with Ryan. That's another thing. But um, season three is like Homelander's Revenge. It's got to be. Homelander's mm-hmm. come out to everybody. And we're finally going to get Black Noir like losing his mind and going crazy. Because remember, we ain't seen Black Noir since... Uh, since he ate since the Almond Joy. Yeah. Well, what right? Did, did Homelander ate... say he was a Sometimes vegetable or something like, like that? Uh, he said he was incapacitated. Yeah, he something was, like that, yeah. He was in a, some sort of vegetative state. But Oh, one more point. One more thing. There's only if, if everybody is still alive and healthy, right? There's still one member left to put in the seven. It's only six of them still. Well, we know 
one thing we've heard for season three for sure is Soldier Boy's coming in. Yeah. So that's their their version. Really, Soldier Boy? Tell them. <laughs> Not that Soldier Boy. Pat, I knew that was coming. I knew that <laughs> joke was coming. I'm gonna have to mute all three of them, Dave. Slap away that hole. What? <laughs> now let him roll, Patrick. It's more entertaining than me and you. So, hey, 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 hey all right, more entertaining than me. How about that? There you go. There you go. I'm definitely more entertaining than you. Anyway, I, I, I love where this ended. And, I'll, and I'm going to bring this full circle to to my initial reaction. It's a show reset. And it's a show reset done in a good way where the stories that were being told during the course of the season have have reached some level of re- resolution. And we have a vision of where the next step's going to be, at least who the big players are going to be in the next season. But if this were to be the end of it all, you could still say this was the the end of the show and be and it wouldn't be satisfactory. And so I I look forward to a lot of change. I don't think a time jumps out of the question. I don't think I don't I don't think it's certain, but I definitely I definitely just feel like this was a good way to keep this show feeling fresh and not like it's doing the same shit for a third season. Like it just to me tells me that we are going somewhere positive with this show and somewhere exciting. And so, you know, not my favorite episode of the, of the season. I think season two, episode seven will forever be my favorite episode. Yes. As everybody blows up their heads on the cameras right now, Ray, I actually, Paul Reiser. Nice. (laughs) But, but Ray, I cited you uh, because when you had come on the show previously, we had talked about the episode that you were like, this is my favorite episode. And then like the very next episode, I was like, this episode's better than the episode Ray liked. And and I still hold that to be true. I think episode seven, like yeah. just the way they built this season, episode seven is, is the big winner on sort of just how great it was. And I felt like this was a great sort of bow to season two. And, and much like pro wrestling, which is of course what all brought us together initially. Even if the beginning of the episode or the beginning of the show is there, if you leave them wanting more at the end of the show, mm-hmm. there's nothing better. So season, so episode seven was really good the entire show, but that ending hooked. So yeah, I agree with you. I agree completely. Patrick, so I got to ask you guys, because we've all done it. Uh, Do you like the way season two of The Boys ended more than season two of The Umbrella Academy or vice versa? Ooh. The Boys. The boys, but then again, I like the I like the boys as a show more than I like the Umbrella Academy, and I enjoyed the end of the Umbrella Umbrella right. Academy. Second like season. with Umbrella Academy, it seems like we know where they're going in season three, and with the boys, right. I'm not really so sure. I I'll say two things real quickly. I like Dave's idea to stray away from what's already been known about uh, about the boys from from the comics and everything else that's been written. And going a different direction and not having them take the compound V. Although, whatever they do, I'm going to watch and I'm probably going to love it. But I like that idea going to uh, having the kid grow up and be 16, 17, like driving age, high school age. Okay, I like that premise. And the other thing I'll say to all you fans of this show and shows like this and comics and everything else is you're going to have a lull now. There's nothing here. If you haven't watched Doom Patrol, watch 
Doom Patrol. It's a lot like this, but completely different. And you'll only get what I'm saying <laughs> if you watch. Right, Ray, you've watched them both? Shout out to Daddy of the Street, bro. Okay. Shout out to Daddy of the Street. But I mean, like, is that not the most accurate way to put it? Is like, if you're looking for something to watch now to continue it on, it's they're they're almost the same thing, but they're so completely different. So drastically different. And there is I, I, this... Forgive me for being hyperbolic, but there has never been anything like Doom, Doom Patrol put on television. It is the most odd, strange, ridiculous, yet satisfying show I have ever watched. And The Boys is a lot more topical, but my God, Doom Patrol is... <laughs> See, I agree look. with Ray, and I've never seen an episode of Doom Patrol, but everybody <laughs> in my house has watched it, so I know that what he says, Ray Cash speaks the truth, ladies and gentlemen. Can I just say how much I've enjoyed this conversation? Number one, it's a pleasure to get together with intelligent people that make intelligent points and have intelligent conversation. And I'm just I'm just grateful to be here. Thank thank you guys for having me on. This has been this is awesome. And you don't have to pretend like you're interested in Japanese wrestling on this show, Platt. So that helps, too. Where's Andrew? All right, we need to edit that out. Please edit that out. Please, please edit that out. Please edit out, Christopher Platt. Yes. All right, fellas. I think that puts a bow on season two for the boys. We are going to take a brief break here, but before we go, first I want to thank uh, PC Tunney and Christopher Platt for coming on the show two weeks in a row to talk about this. Always great to have you on. Insightful points, as always. Great questions. Uh, and I just love having these discussions. We'll we'll hit you back when The Mandalorian starts, because that's coming around the corner, too. Season 2 of The Mandalorian, end of October. So, uh, but before we let you go, of course, we got to let you guys get your shit in. Tony, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you out there in the interwebs before we say goodbye. Go to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Make yourself more aesthetically pleasing for your next indie show. You will be the bell of the t-shirt ball. You can find me at PC Tunney. And Mr. Platt. I second Tunney's emotions. ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Please and thank you. Thank you. And please, you all can find me on Twitter at the Real C Platt. Three man weave, maybe, you know, Tuesday night on the chair shot. And Pod is War debuts every Thursday evening on the chairshot.com. We're going to get back on the horse. A lot of things been going on. But seriously, man, all, all jokes aside, you know, we bust each other's balls. It's what we do. We're friends. But thank you guys for having me on. Like, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. And yeah, I, I can't wait. I need to find another show now. Has anybody checked out? I love you guys. Thanks for having me on. Shut up, Tunny. But has anybody uh, checked out the Fargo season three with Chris Rock? Perhaps we can come on and talk about that. Well, not yet, I, but I got plenty of intentions to. Same. I, I, haven't, even, I haven't even watched season one of Fargo, so uh, I'm on the wrong guy to ask that question. Patrick's very fond of Lovecraft Country. I am very fond of Lovecraft I Country. I promise, Pat. I know. I, I know. I'm going to get there. I, I, I promise. I gave, I gave up. Look at Dave doing Patrick's dirty work there. I, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna low key, you know, throw that throw that shade. But uh, thank you again, really? guys, for coming on. I wasn't gonna do it. I wasn't gonna do it. That was all, Dave. I, you, I swear to you. Yeah. 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 Text yeah. message yeah. from Patrick to Dave. Can you bring that up this week, Dave? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. 
Uh, but anyway, thank you again, guys, for coming on the show. We're about to go take a break. When we come back, we are going to bring on Tim Carlson from Staff and Branch. Talk to us a little bit about his business and what he's been doing for the gaming community uh, during this pandemic. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here as a part of the ChairShot Media Group on thechairshot.com. By the way, thank you guys for uh, saving me my uh, Pro Wrestling Tees bit. Both of you. For Chris. For Chris. Chair shot network. I, I, I'm just going to say, man, if you go to pro forward slash the chair shot, if you type in either Columbus day or no, judging not. by the climate, indigenous people, you might get something off. I'm not saying, I'm just saying, give it a shot. What can it hurt? What can it hurt? Can't hurt. And on that note, when we come back, Tim Carlson from staff and branch. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis. With attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. This is your boy, Kenny Killer, telling you to make sure you check out TheChairShot.com. Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling. Make sure you check it out, TheChairShot.com. Welcome back, fellow basement dwellers. Hope you all enjoyed the sweet, sweet, smooth, dulcet tones, towns. Gosh, I'm in great shape so far of Christopher Platt. We have our, we have a guest very excited to welcome in to the bandwagon a uh, friend of mine uh, full disclosure uh, i do see this person outside of the podcast realm uh, but a, a good friend of mine who found a, a unique sort of way to turn a project into quite a quite a thriving little business uh, and it's tim carlson of staff and branch tim welcome to the program welcome to bandwagon nerds thank you very much it's good to be here uh good to see you guys so just to kind of to do the warm up and the softball thing, gentlemen, we're all football fans here. Everybody um, just cast your saddest puppy dog face toward our good friend, Tim, <laughs> Detroit Lions fan. Uh, it's uh, it, it is what it is, you know? Uh, <laughs> wow. Uh, I, I don't even know what to say to that. I mean, Platt's a Browns fan. You know, the guy who just you just met off air, Tim. Uh, so he can kind of commiserate with you. But. Yeah, not, not, not only is he a Browns fan, but he now lives in Atlanta. So, like, it's both ways. Oh, wow. No, that's, that's bad. That uh, so, uh, the, the the biggest thing with the Lions is, uh, you know, one one playoff win since 1956. Uh, and that was in 1991, I think. Um, and uh, I feel like the Lions always get overlooked, even, like, when you're talking about, like, you know, everyone always brings up the Browns and how terrible they are. It's like they won a playoff game. They won, you know, like they've they've ex- they've seen more success than we have. Uh, well, the Browns and Lions both share the zero and sixteen ignominy. You it's know? true. It's true. It's true. Uh, we were there first for the record. That's right. Uh, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If you're gonna win it, something win it being the worst. I guess that's yeah. that's the way to look at it. Not that we. I mean, Day David here is a is a Redskins fan, or I'm sorry, the Washington football team fan. Still see, tough for me. To, see, that's it's difficult. No Lions fan is going to appreciate that because the Red, they have three Super Bowls. So, well, it's it's yeah. not about a pity thing. It's it's you know I'm just saying we don't really have strong legs as a Bears fan. 
We're the worst four and one team in football. I don't oh, know here, how we're we four go. and one. Here we go. No, I don't. I don't get it. And then we got Mr. Baltimore Ravens fan over here being like, look at my helmet in the background. I mean, I, uh, <laughs> you got to respect it, you know? <laughs> There's, uh, you do. You do. Uh, but so, okay, we're, we'll, we'll dive right in here. And the, the reason I brought you on, Tim, and the reason I wanted to have you come and talk to us is that. You know, this show we do we we do a lot of um, we do a lot of pop culture things, but one of the other topics that we cover every now and again, and that that we really look at is is gaming and board games. And I'm a Dungeons and Dragons guy. Dave over here is a huge board gamer, and and he can talk to you for days and days. And you found a unique business opportunity out of out of what I believe was a hobby, if I'm not mistaken. And so, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it is you do and what Staff and Branch is? So uh, I um, I made furniture uh, for a living for a long time, and then um, while I was doing that, I would listen to podcasts, and I would listen to a lot of Dungeons and Dragons podcasts. Um, and so, like, I decided I wanted to play again. But all my friends are across all over the the country, and um, and so we started playing online. Uh, and but like, it was the type of thing where I'd done. I know my friends, and I know myself, and I know that like, unless you have someone who really wants it to happen, it wasn't gonna happen so uh i i put a lot of effort into making sure that it kept going and then i started making these boxes for them um i, I made uh four um uh, little boxes to hold dice um and it was kind of a nice way to incorporate my interest in woodworking and my interest in uh gaming and uh and just sent them and then one of my friends lives in seattle and he actually worked with a bunch of people whose spouses worked at Wizards of the Coast. Uh, and they were like, I would like, hey, I, I want one of those. Those look pretty cool. Um, and so I did that. Uh, and so I was like, cool, nice. And and then pe- more and more people got interested in it. And it just kind of, um, then eventually my boss retired uh, and I had to find a different job. And I did that. But then he uh, uh, he had to close down. He didn't have enough business. And all I was left with was this, uh, these boxes that I was making kind of in my spare time, mostly from like cut off some like larger furniture projects, uh, uh, you know, cut off wood. And, and I was like, well, I guess I, I should go, um, go full, you know, full steam ahead. And, uh, and so I did that. Uh, and I started working a lot with epoxy in the wood as well. Um, because there's a huge, um, there's a huge, artisan uh handmade dice community uh that i had not i didn't had no idea about um but and people pay a lot of money for them uh and i was like well that's not that's not where my talent or interest lies as much but you know they also like i just started thinking well if 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 there was a box that kind of had some of these elements that people liked about their their dice maybe that could work out and so far so good Right, and we're going to have some of the images up on our Twitter feed. Uh, thank you for the photos, and we'll share those out so that people can get a good look at your work. Dave, I got to ask you, um, how important are your dice? Depends on the game. I think for Dungeons and Dragons, probably very important. And you know, as you know, Pat, any Dungeons and Dragons player, they they really like to get personalized with their dice to try and make it to a certain extent reflect their character or whatever they're doing with their character or, or some sort of color scheme that resonates with them. So 
for a game like Dungeons and Dragons, yeah, it's very important. A, a lot of you know, I play a, more of the strategy games to try and either I don't know about remove the dice, but if there's dice involved, they're there for a strategic reason. It's not just completely random. There's things in the game that can that you're either using the dice to dictate what you can do amongst a set of options. So there's some level of control or you've got modifiers that make it so that you can flip the dice to different numbers. So for me anyway, and you know, it, it, it really, it just depends on the game as to how critical the dice are for the overall, you know, whatever the goal of the game is. Um, do you mind if I ask a question? Go for Please it. do. Yeah. So as, as the novice in this world, uh, on this call, cause I've never played D and mm-hmm. um, over the past couple of years, some of my best friends are have like I'm realizing are really big into it, which is kind of giving me a renewed interest in not only that game but games, strategy games like it. I'm curious what drew you to that world initially, because if you're going to have a company that specializes in building things for this world, what drew you to it initially? Interesting. Yeah. Uh, so mostly, I, I would say it's mostly my my group of friends. Uh, uh, who all grew up playing it, and I never did. Um, I I only played it a, a handful of times in college. Um, I was in college a long time because I didn't know what I wanted to do, and I just seemed like a good place to be. But uh, uh, but yeah, it, it was always something I was I, I was interested in. Um, when I moved out to Massachusetts in two thousand and six, we we moved out because I was writing uh, like my wife and I were both writing books, uh, and I was writing a fantasy novel. Uh, and so I've always been, and I, I read a lot of fantasy novels. Uh, it's always been my, my main interest. Um, and one of the things you, you mentioned your, your friends, um, uh, some of your friends have been getting into it. Uh, and that's kind of been the biggest thing with this late, the latest, uh, edition of D and D is that it has been a lot more, um, user-friendly, I think. Uh, and it seems to have, uh, has have grabbed has grabbed a larger audience um and so like i i never set out like i didn't set out to um to start a company where i made dice boxes uh it was it was just more like a a kind of a side hustle kind of thing um but you know like all things uh so actually it, it it's great that i'm on now uh this month is kind of like my one year anniversary of like all right i'm i'm all in um I'm running a I'm running a giveaway for one of my boxes on Twitter right now, uh, and uh, kind of let me keep doing it was just the right person saw it, retweeted something, and all of a sudden, you know, like the I went from I think the first year I did it, I, I you know I would have I think I, I sold a total of like twelve boxes, um, and then uh, and now I like. Like people set, it's I don't, I still don't quite understand it. But like people set alarms, I have to like post when I'm dropping the, uh, my or updating my shop because people will set alarms for it. And then like I, I like last week I, I dropped, uh, I had 11 boxes for sale and they were they were all gone within like 25 minutes. Um, and like if you have one you want, like so it's you know I, I'm I'm mostly limited right now in terms of what I do in that I'm one person doing this and i'm doing it in my basement which has been great for the pandemic because i can still do it uh and it's uh it's right in my house but uh at the same time it's right in my house uh and so 
Uh, you know, I'm making a lot of dust and I'm making uh, I'm making a lot of noise, but uh, my family has been patient with me, thankfully. Um, but uh, but I, again, I, I think um, I think what one of the things I like most about it uh, about the game itself is that it focuses on uh, friendship, which is hard to do when you're 43. Uh, you know, like it what what has been so like I've been playing now for almost three years with these guys. Who I've known since high school, uh, and and it it is like uh, you know before this I would talk to them once every six months and it'd be this crazy like hour and a half long conversation that was super intense. But like it didn't feel like it did when we were just ha- when we would hang out and just be friends, you know. Uh, and this has kind of given us focus, and we spend most of the time laughing and uh, and having a good time. And it, it's I, I feel like it's been it's been a really great way to. Uh, to rediscover friendship after having two kids and uh, moving away from everyone, you know, you know, you know, kind of thing. And it's been super important. Cool. So you mentioned your, uh, your business sort of took off with, with word of mouth and the right people kind of seeing, uh, seeing your, your product. When did you, when did it flip from hobby to business and how how does your model work? Is because you sort of mentioned you put stuff out. Is it just that you sort of put stuff out and people buy as they come, or how, <laughs> how, how does it work? Going, right? uh, uh, it's it, like I, I I have spent ten years uh, practicing how to be a woodworker, uh, and I've spent about a year uh, trying to figure out how to run a business. I'm much better at one than I am the other. Uh, so uh, you know, I like I'm just kind of making it up as I go. Uh, right now this is working for me i I, like i uh i want to be more organized and more on top of certain things uh like figure out like an ad budget and figure out you know different different things like that but as it stands right now this is uh this is where i'm at and you know uh, my my hope is that going forward i can you know get get some different tooling that will allow me to make things faster um because that that's part of it is i just i can't keep up with demand and um, like I remember last Christmas, th- things were busy and I was, I was very surprised, uh, because as I said before that, it was like, no one was buying them. So, uh, but then all of a sudden it became a thing. And, and what I've been most surprised about is that people buy more than one. Um, uh, like I, I have one guy who's bought 10 of them. Um, and, uh, I, I thought like, oh, it's a, it's an extravagant thing. You know, like I was I was selling them for like 70 bucks. They're now a hundred to $130. Um, and, uh, and it like, I want my, my goal, my, my ideal is to price them in such a way that like, I'm fair to myself, but also that like, I don't want to sell them for $250 where like only certain people can you know afford them. Uh, I like the idea that, you know, even if it like, most of my life, I've not been in a position where I'm like, oh, I'll just drop 150 bucks on on this Dungeons and Dragons uh, dice box, you know, but like <laughs> as a nice gift or something, I totally would have gotten that for someone, you know, kind of thing. Or uh, so like because of the amount of time it takes me to make them, uh, I like it's I feel like the price is is fair. But um, but I do I, I do. It's, that's also why I do giveaways. I do quite a few giveaways uh, throughout the year just to try and let people have a chance to get them who might not be able to afford them or, or whatever. I want to ask Patrick and, and, and Tim, just a general D and D kind of 
question because the fifth edition, like like Tim was saying, is is more accessible, a little bit more user friendly than some of the previous versions have been, and and you know it was just what like a decade ago where D and D was still kind of looked upon as oh it's just this real geeky thing that that you know it's almost shunned to a certain extent, and then mm-hmm. like it caught fire with pop culture. Like, you know, like we all do wrestling stuff, Tim. So, uh, yeah, you know, you've yeah, got, yeah. you got like the WWE, like Xavier Woods does a whole D and D group and they film stuff. And then you, it, 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 it caught on with like, um, stranger things was heavily yep. involved with D and D. That was big. Yeah. And, and then you had like, you know, um, you know, ready player one had stuff involving D and D as well. And, and, does it surprise you guys to see the resurgence of Dungeons and Dragons as far as popularity? And now, you know, it's it's so widespread that you got Ray who hasn't played it before but is interested in it and and, and that sort of thing. Does, does that surprise you guys to see the resurgence of this thing that was mammothly popular in the 80s? And then yeah, it did feel like it was shunned for quite a bit of period of time and now it's kind of resurgent. So I'm kind of curious what you guys think about that. Pat, do you want to go or do you? Yeah, yeah I think um, I think there's a couple of things that have really had to be like you brought up pop culture and just the way that certain aspects of what I guess we would call like nerddom or fandom or like that. Because that was the thing. Dungeons and Dragons used to be like, you know, nerds played Dungeons and Dragons. Like we had this time. There was this time in the 80s when it was popular, like you mentioned, Dave. And then there was this unfounded backlash as it was. Um, believed to be some sort of an occultish thing. Tom Hanks has a ridiculous movie out about it where he, you know, the game drives him crazy and you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yes. And then, and then things started like just stuff that wasn't mainstream. It wasn't popular. Like you mentioned pro wrestling, pro wrestling was one comic books, comic books, like, and comic books had a huge thing to do with that. Science fiction and fantasy in general became something that wasn't so niche. Like you look at what's popular to watch on television right now, and it's supernatural things. Uh, you know, we you made we we made the joke about Lovecraft Country, but you know, we we have a a fairly solid following just because of these these shows that are exploring science fiction, fantasy, the strange and unusual, horror has has taken on a new life and a growth and dungeons and dragons is very much a part of that and is very much culturally a part of that and as shows as mainstream shows and you mentioned a few but the other one that what and i don't really care for the show i watched it all the way through to its end but the big bang theory like that Mm -hmm. popularized that culture and dungeons and dragons is a very big part of that show yeah like they play it all the time i i think i think too um I think as we have become uh, more um, secularized, you know, where where we're more secluded, people are looking for ways to connect. Um, and Dungeons and Dragons happens to be a really great way. And then also, um, there's a lot of fans of of uh, Dungeons and Dragons streaming and uh, podcasts, um, which are actual play podcasts. So like people can understand the rules a little better um but i i think i i really think that when you're looking for a way to connect with people uh especially if you are um you know outside of college and you you know it, it is it is a great it's it's kind of like the new, new poker night you know kind of it, i mean it is That's a good point when i th- when i think about like like you know back in the 80s when i was growing up like poker night was a huge thing right uh 
I've never played poker. I'm not a poker person, but like this is it. It fills the same, the same need. And as Pat was saying, it is, uh, it is just kind of like things that were. I mean, when Star Wars came out, that was kind of a nerdy thing, uh, right? Uh, and I mean, it was hugely popular, but it was like, uh, it, it would still dealt with, you know, fantastical elements and all that kind of stuff. And and I think it just kind of the broader acceptance of of the kind of traditionally nerdy kind of things is, is really helped it. And then also uh, with this latest edition, one of the things that it did was kind of more um, emphasis was put on story and less about, and less on rolling dice, which I think has helped um, uh, people who want to uh, experience uh, Dungeons and Dragons, but aren't like, don't want to be like doing math all the time. And so like, it's, it's a collective storytelling game. So uh, that that has appealed to different kinds of people. Uh, women are uh, much. Uh, I mean, they've always been involved in Dungeons and Dragons, despite the the kind of stereotypes that you think about. But uh, but they also have um, uh, ha- have become a larger part of the community. Uh, the um, uh, most of the you know I talked about the handmade dice uh, uh, community. Um, so most of them are women who do it. Um, and and so it is, and then also the other thing that's really one of the things I like about Dungeons and Dragons is it is um, or role playing games in general uh, it has been adopted uh, by um, a lot of uh, trans and uh, gay community uh, and I saw uh, I, I cannot think who said this but it was uh, I was on on my Twitter feed and someone was saying that one of the reasons for that is it focuses on you finding kind of your own family, your own community, where a lot of times these people were not accepted in their own families. And so it, it is it, like you, you are doing that in the game. And then, you know, if you get a good group together, you are doing that outside of the game as well, uh, forging, you know, these friendships and bonds that, uh, that maybe uh, did not come as easily to you uh, as you were growing up. So uh, I think those are also some of the reasons it's taken off. Yeah, like D and D's very rare in the fact that it, it it's it's a it's a joint effort, a community effort, but within that group there's a tremendous amount of individuality as far as your own character is concerned, which it's rare that any kind of game captures that. Right. You you know it's interesting to me you guys say that because I'm sitting here thinking and I'm really asking myself, well one, what drew me back to it recently and two, why didn't I do it before? Because I've been the same nerdy guy my whole life, but what 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 didn't draw draw me to it before? But I'm I'm remembering um, on the DC Universe app they had a show with Freddie Prince Jr. and um, man, I can't remember Sam Sam somebody. I I, I apologize for not remembering his name, um, but they were doing a bit of a story based role playing game with this old 1980s DC role playing game. Okay. Where, where you like, you know, you had like a regular, per- like a regular character, like Bill the the nerd and and Biff the the jock and like just random people, but they actually end up really being in real life a superhero, and they had the chance to flip it when they wanted to flip it, and they were rolling with the dice, and you know, I never understood the point of that until that I watched that, and I wasn't. It was like five episodes. Xavier Woods was a part of it from WWE. And that's probably what drew me to the show was, well, Woods is on this. I'm interested. And it was like maybe five episodes or six, but I was completely enthralled. 
I, 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 like I couldn't miss it. I, and, and getting in, and I love story based, um, anything store up. Like I'm, I'm the, the idiot that's created 15 different wrestling feds, top to bottom. I've created a million different superheroes. I, like I'm that guy doing it on my own. So now seeing it and getting the, the, the joy of it. And then it wasn't until recently that what I love you brought up was the community of it because, um, the guy, the guy who one of my best friends now who brought me into it is gay. Mm-hmm. And I never put that two together that, well, this might be something that he latched onto to be a community or to be who we may want to be. And so all these things you guys are saying is just making me realize more. I'm stupid as hell for not doing this before. Right. It, it really is community storytelling. Like, and I think, you know, and you mentioned there, there's a role playing game for just about anything. There's superhero role playing games. There's professional wrestling role playing games. I bought one. There, yeah, I, I, I have um, it. I've just never done it. Yeah, yeah. There, there's a multitude of Star Wars um, based role playing games, and it's fat like, and it's fascinating to me because there's all these different systems and ways to play the game, but it's always sec- it really becomes secondary to the storytelling part of it itself. And when people used to ask me. Why do you play D&D? What's fun about Dungeons and Dragons? I always described it this way is that every one of you is a, a character in a story where it's it's like choose your own adventure with like your own creations. And there's somebody who is guiding that story, but and you know they're called the dungeon master, but they're really if they're doing a job, they they're creating the environment and the situations, but the players are driving the direction of the story. And the dungeon master's job is to react and respond to the story that's being told by the group and really building that narrative and it's it's a lot of fun and you know my some of my fondest memories from high school and college were eight hour gaming sessions with my friends drinking way too many mountain dews chomping on way too many cool ranch doritos and then after it's all done sitting around after it's all done and just hanging out and doing other stuff, but also talking about the game you just played. And it's it's a joy. I think it's a joy. The other thing that that has been fun too is um, it's not just the game. Like it is, it has uh, like so we have a our D and D text thread, um, and like that we so before the pandemic we played once a week. Since the pandemic, we played twice a week because we were all in like just needed more, uh, more stuff. But, but in between those times, now like I I'm chatting with those guys every day, um, uh, and girl. Uh, but um, but we chat every day about just everything. And um, and as I said, it just it kind of it, it juiced it 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 put some juice in, back into the friendship in a way that has been, I think, for all of us, just like we didn't realize how much we we missed each other or missed just hanging out and having having a good time until we were doing it and um and once we started doing it it was like oh no we're well we won't stop doing this for a long time you know this is this is not where it is um i'm i'm curious i know that your primary um product is dice boxes and no i i can only imagine how hard it is you you explained that uh, a bit but is there anything that you have that you have a hope or a goal for to add to your list of things that you build that you might sell yeah. 
Well, so yeah, I, I um, as I said, I, I made furniture for a long time. Um, and so that's kind of where my head's at a lot of the time. Um, uh, but, and, and, and then the, like outside of that. So like, I think about like gaming desk setups because a lot of people play remotely now. Um, and so, uh, um, you, you know, like there, there are much larger companies. Like I think uh, Wormwood is is a company that does a lot of um, uh, accessories for Dungeons and Dragons. They just had a huge Kickstarter for a modular table, um, a, a gaming table that like you can remove the top and it has like a kind of recessed uh, rolling area, and you can you know set up your map or your um, or your board game, whatever you're doing. Um, and uh, but so like I've thought about something like that, but like even within like the accessories. So there's, there's dice boxes, there's uh, dice towers. Um, there are things like uh, rolling trays um, and, uh, and all this kind of stuff. And, and I had planned on doing it, but then like so many people started buying these dice boxes uh, that I was like, I feel like I should like, I should get to a point where I can at least somewhat keep up with demand a little bit better. Uh, bef- because it takes like I'm right now I'm all set up to make these so it doesn't take as long I can make a bunch of them at once uh, but um, you know eventually uh, I-, I would like to make other things um, but it just I don't have time right now uh, and I-, I I do enjoy doing it still um, it hasn't become uh, it hasn't become boring um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the epoxy always keeps it interesting. It's a, they, they all look different. Um, yeah. Sorry. So are you looking to take on an apprentice? Can, can we... <laughs> I mean, what, yeah. what sort of, what sort of benefits do you offer? Uh, is it like a lifetime supply of dice boxes? Should I, you know, want to apprentice in woodworking and epoxy? It, Cause I, I work for the state. And so, right, sure. Yeah. Hey, if you ever want to come over and, and, and do some sanding, Pat, uh, you're, you're more than welcome. I, I'll, I'll help you out with that. Uh, I got some things you could do. Um, but yeah, I mean, mo- most of it is, uh, you know, there's there's the uh, epoxy pouring, which is the fun part, but also the nerve wracking part because epoxy is kind of fickle. So you never know if it's like exactly what you're going to get. But then like, so, I mean, most of woodworking, like, you know, you think about all these furniture things that you're making, but really you just spend a lot of time sanding. Um, and which is, <laughs> which is why podcasts are great, uh, because, uh, um, things like that, audiobooks, they really get you through, um, when, when it's been a long day of just, you know, going Pat, through the grids. I can do that. He can, he can sand. Oh, no, yeah, I believe it. Like yeah, he could. Yeah. Yep. It'll, it'll, it'll be backwards though. Cause I'm left-handed. Well, that, like we'll, so, we'll like make so. exceptions. Yeah. Sand the floor. <laughs> Shit. A little karate kid action. All right. So. Tim, before we let you go, this is Bandwagon Nerds. We talk about all kinds of basically nerdy shows. We just got done talking about The Boys Season eight, uh, season 2, Episode 8, and that finale. What, when you want to entertain thyself via via television or movies, what are the go-tos? What, what do you check out? So I, I, um, I have, especially since uh, quarantine, I found myself unable to like really enjoy anything that's good um <laughs> like uh that's that, interesting. yeah like i i so like i've been watching a lot of like really terrible uh like amazon prime 
sword and sandal kind of uh, <laughs> like <laughs> kind of thing where it's like they're like 78 minutes long and they're terrible. But uh, the thing that I enjoyed probably that was in the in the uh, larger pop culture world most recently was uh, was The Witcher um, series on Netflix. Uh, and uh, and I liked it. It like struck the perfect balance for me of being good, but also being kind of bad. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and it like it allowed me to have like a, a like a, a moment of, of just detachment from it. Like uh, I had a like I couldn't watch, for instance, uh, I couldn't watch any of Game of Thrones. Like I watched the like three quarters of the first season. And I was like, I, I was always jittery afterwards. And like, I was like, I need, like, I'm just too tense. Uh, it gets so like, I, I appreciated The Witcher for it, for it's just kind of campiness a little bit. Um, and yeah, that, that's, that's kind of the, been the things that, that I've been enjoying as of late. Uh, uh, we, like- we, re- we, we reviewed The Witcher on, on um, earlier episodes of Bandwagon. What did you guys think? Oh, we loved it. Yeah. Yeah. We enjoyed awesome. it. We enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, awesome show can't yeah, wait for does, season def- two yeah it definitely doesn't leave you jittery no it doesn't it's like it's totally it, it like it knows what it is and it like kind of revels in it right uh and right. um uh, and I, I don't know i just i i, I described it as like what if two uh high school kids were given a big budget and were like make something kind of like game of thrones uh and like so like they they're trying at times to like make this serious thing but it like it doesn't come off that way it's just it's different you know it's like it's not as it's not as heavy it's just it's it's a much lighter kind of uh, more consumable for me uh kind of show that i really appreciated tim so if i could patrick just one last thing um talked a lot about dungeons and dragons are there other games that you're into that you like to play that that are conducive with the whole dice aspect of things um no all right Uh, thanks tim that's good for business that's good for business here's the thing uh like there there are plenty like one thing that i've uh since i've been doing this business uh i've been exposed to a lot more is uh are different different role-playing systems uh so like things like uh uh starcraft or, or starfinder pathfinder um are are but those are very similar to D D. Uh, but there are others out there that um, I have not had a chance to try yet, but I'm interested in. I just haven't had a, uh, like, I I was the one who got the ball rolling on uh, on getting Dungeons & Dragons going. If uh, if one of my friends wants to uh, wants to start something else, I'm all in. But uh, uh, but right now I'm busier than I was at that uh, at that point, uh, and I don't have the time to kind of learn learn a new system as much as as much as I would like. So. Um, but yeah, I board games are hard for me because um, I have two small. Like we we just started to get into things. Uh, my kids are eight and ten, uh, so uh, we're getting into. Stuff, but like I also realize I'm not a. I don't like competitive games, and so I one of the reasons I like Dungeons and Dragons is because it's not competitive uh, unless you're doing it wrong, um, yeah. and uh, and so it just uh, that it's it. it, it it's the cooperative thing that 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 appeals to me. I think. Uh, I need you to game with me so that you can teach me how to make Dungeons and Dragons not competitive. No, just kidding, Pat. Pat, when when you like, uh, what a year and a half ago, you had mentioned you were thinking about starting a Dungeons and Dragons. I'm still game. I'm still thinking about it. 
I, I was so excited, dude. I was like, yes, make it happen. I'm in. I like, I got yeah, it. Yeah, I failed. Man. But, uh, yeah, I, it's, I it. it's, it, you know how it is. Life gets in the way. And totally, man. I actually told you this. I, I jumped onto somebody else's campaign. So we start in a couple oh, of weeks. Nice. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Actually, I don't know if I did know that. Yes. I am a dragonborn cleric of cord. Nice. Taking on taking on the war domain so I can wield swords and stuff. Well, and fun. that is the nerdiest thing you will hear on Bandwagon Nerds today. <laughs> that's that's going reg- to that that register on the nerd Richter scale for sure. It, it uh, is. It's going to be huge. But Tim, uh, before we let you go, I do want you to take a moment and just tell everybody where they can find you, your product, uh, and how they can see some of the great stuff. We're going to put up a, a, a picture uh, of some of the work you do, but I know that um, we want to drive them to your site as well and, and yeah. where they can find that stuff. So um, I'm uh, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, I guess technically Facebook, although it's just my Instagram feed that I shoot over there. So Instagram, it's staff and branch, uh, all lowercase. Um, and then on Twitter, it's at staff and branch as well, but uh, capital S, capital B. Uh, my shop is, in, is, is on Etsy. Um, and it's, again, it's, you go to Etsy, you, uh, search for staff and branch, uh, one word as well. Uh, and my shop will come up, uh, most of the time my shop is empty, unfortunately. Uh, but that's, I mean, good for me because it, it's because things sell, sell out. So, uh, but yeah. And as I said before, I'm, I'm running a giveaway on Twitter right now for a box. Uh, I'll probably be doing, uh, one or two more giveaways either on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, just to kind of close out the uh, the anniversary month that I have going on. So um, if anyone's interested in what I do, um, you can check out those things. And um, yeah. And those social media posts are also where you update when the shop is going up, correct? That's right. Yeah, I'll, I'll go um, like usually my shop updates on a like, for instance, usually Saturday, although not always. Uh, but I'll post what is being updated and then and when it will be updated uh, a day or two beforehand um, to, uh, yeah, to give people a heads up so that if they see something they like, they can hopefully get it. Um, but I don't under, I don't understand how Etsy works exactly. Sometimes people are like, I like your update never showed up uh, and or and now everything is gone. And I don't know why that is, but uh, um I don't know how to fix it either. So <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Cool. Well, thank you again so much for coming on this show. It was a great pleasure having you. Nice, uh, nice chatting with you, you, you fellas. Uh, and uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Excellent. It's been a pleasure. And you definitely will be probably getting a purchase from me because I have some Christmas gifts to buy. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Exactly. Excellent. Or well, I might just I, I buy, what, I might just buy it for myself, but you know, that's just me. Let let me know uh, if if you're interested because as I said sometimes they are difficult to get so uh, I will uh, I could we could work something out um, so so you Good guys brand. know a guy yeah, yeah exactly. it helps I know, to know the people. guy that knows the guy that knows the guy there you go all right thank you Tim all right thank you guys that was Tim Carlson from Staff and Branch I love talking D and I really miss talking Dungeons and Dragons and playing Dungeons and Dragons and. You know, he kind of he, he threw me a little bit of shade there. I did, you know, have this like noble goal of starting a starting my own campaign, and it's just the one thing that I, I've always told people that they need to be aware of is that the game does take a lot of preparation to get started. Once you get started, it's easy to keep rolling, but getting started is the tough part. 
Yeah, character creation is a big, a big aspect. Once you're beyond that, right. then it starts to kind of flow. But I'd like to pitch something right here, live on bandwagons ner- bandwagon nerds, live. Wink, wink. Um, I purchased a pro wrestling D and D game. And I have been trying to find a group of people to do it with. My hesitation has been that somebody has to be the dungeon master or the whatever guy. I've never had the, well, actually, it is. It's, it's talent relations. Is the person who is yes. And my issue is I've never I've never played any form of D and D or role playing or anything like that before. So obviously, I can't be it the very first time. That's what fair. Do you, what do you think about a chair shot slash bandwagon nerds league where we get six, eight, or four people together and do that? And the cool thing about the game is I'll send you guys the information in your emails as soon as we get out the call. Uh, we're done recording live. Wink, wink. Uh, but um, it already has ready-made character um, templates. You can create oh, your that's... own, but it also has cool. templates. That have backstories and everything. Yeah, templates are usually a good way to start when nobody has played the game before. Uh, and so that could, you know, that's always a good launching pad point for any RPG. So, yeah, I'm game. I'll, I'll take a look. I, I know we're all old and got kids and, you know, trying to live through a major pandemic and whatnot. And, and then these altogether unprecedented times. <laughs> but I, I think it'd be cool. Yeah, I think Tony mentioned that you had this to me a couple of months ago, Ray, and I was like, hey, it sounds interesting. And then, you know, we just never followed up on it because the world, you know, that sort of shit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's just, yeah, just a few things going on. Just a few. Yeah, I think. Uh, oh, shoot. I don't want to do that. Yeah, I think that that's totally something that's worth trying out. And, you know, as we continue to live in lockdown and aren't getting out until 2027, um, Always seems like a, an opportunity and a thing to do. There's that hashtag, hashtag 2027. Hashtag 2027. There we go. Yep. The official hashtag of bandwagon nerds. So before we go, uh, before we call it a wrap on this week's show, I did want to call back to we missed Comic Con. We missed New York Comic Con this year. Dave had some thoughts about it. Uh, there was a bunch of stuff that did come out through this this weekend there were some panel there were a lot of panels that came out and and a few things that i know caught my eye and so before we went um i just wanted to take a moment with the group and see if there was anything that came out of of new york city's comic-con virtual comic-con that attracted our attention uh and dave since uh since you said you had some thoughts why don't you go first i mean i shared most of them with you i i I got to go back and actually look at some of the other additional material that I was skimming through, like IGN was talking about things that I'm like, oh, I got to check that out. I got to check that out. Um, you know, I, I think I posted or I sent to you the uh, interview with uh, Will Wheaton and, and Ernie Klein, who's doing Ready Player Two, which I didn't even know was coming out. My wife didn't know it was coming out. That's like one of her. She, you know, in full disclosure, my wife read Ready Player One before I ever did. And was on me for a year. You got to read this. This is right up your alley. I was like, I don't know about that. And then I read I mean, it. Definitely it was, the target audience. Yeah, and and I I love the book. And I'm you know and Ready Player Two. And so on the panel with Will Wheaton and, and Ernie Klein, he did read like the back flap to Ready Player Two because it doesn't come out till near the end of November. 
So it's basically the gist of it is Halliday had one last Easter egg and there's some other person on there who wants to try and get this, not to take control of the business, but basically like wipe out humanity. So you've got that going on. Um, I set you guys the, the thing I loved. I watched the whole thing. The super movie Schmodown between Chris Jericho and Kevin Smith was fantastic. I, I love that. And I, I think I mentioned it to you, Patrick, is like, this would be a really good format that we could do if we ever did like our own trivia thing, because there's three rounds that are very distinct from each other. Um, although Jericho lost some points in, in my opinion, Pat uh, and Ray on nerd cred, because the question he lost on, you guys will get this is which Batman villain was running for mayor in Batman returns. Oswald Cobblepot. Right. The penguin, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oswald Cobblepot. Right. So Jericho. Oh, had... sorry. I went too nerdy on my response. <laughs> no, no, that was, was with actual that was, names. That yes. was fine. Uh, Jericho answered, Jericho answered two face. Kevin Smith answered the uh, penguin. Kevin Smith I, won. I, I can say Batman Returns was a while ago. And if there's anybody you thought that would run for office, it would be Harvey Dent. And Jericho, well, can, Jericho's taking some shots to the head, so we'll, we'll let him slide on that one. 30 uh, years worth. <laughs> and he's taking some shots to the, the head. A little the bit of the way. bubbly. Yeah, a little bit of the bubbly. They had some so, um some stuff about The Walking Dead, and they're talking more about crossovers and things, and that universe isn't going away anytime soon, even if the no, main show we, is. We, we talked about that a couple of shows ago, like that, The Walking Dead ain't dying. I, I, for walk, I need to see the trailer for the movie. I need to see the trailer for the Rick movie before I can make any real, true opinion on it because you're going to keep giving me extra shows i ain't gonna watch them i don't care about feel the walking dead i don't care yeah right you know, that's kind of the way watch- that's kind of the way i am you and you made the point like it's got to have a hook it's got to have something that's unique and different to to make it worth your time to watch if it's just the same show why watch it uh for my money there were a couple of things that came out of new york comic-con that i liked i liked that we got a a better fuller trailer for the stand series that's coming to cbs that gave you a better look at the full cast, uh, full cast of characters, both uh, on Randall Flagg's side and on Mother Abigail's side. That looks like a great show. I love that it's getting ten episodes because I think that'll do the story of the Stand justice in a way that, um, or is it nine episodes? It's a lot. Can I ask you something, uh, and, though, Pat? Yeah. Was there enough there that it would convince you to get that CBS streaming service for that one show? <laughs> Because that's the thing no. I'm hearing from a lot of people. Is, I want to watch a stand, but I don't know if I want to get that just for that. No, I don't know. I don't think so. You know, I think that if you haven't gotten on board with the Star Trek stuff that they've already put out there, you know, their Twilight Zone reboot didn't go so great. At least it didn't it didn't quite get the buzz that I think they were hoping for, even though it's quite good. You know, Jordan Peele put together a good show. Good show. But yeah, is it going to drive me to buy, you know, to to add another subscription? No. Is it enough to drive me to wait till it's all on there entirely and get the free week and binge watch it? Maybe. Fair enough. Like and don't and don't act like people haven't done that before. I, I know some of those Hulu folks who do that all the time. Ray, I need your password to the network again. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Pat. The uh, get giving me after the show. All right, gotcha. The the other. One and is one that I shared in the in the group that, that Dave kind of met met a little bit. I was a little disappointed. Is uh, the Modoc show, which is a live, which is a, uh, cl- a um, sorry claymation, stop motion animation 
show with Modoc running AIM and Modoc voiced by Patton Oswald, which of course is is totally on brand for Patton Oswald. And just to be honest, when when Patton Oswald does a comic book character voice, they really put him in the right spots, whether it's Ant-Man and Teen Titans Go and now or not Ant-Man, the Atom in Teen Titans Go. And now Modoc and the clips that I saw made me laugh. And Dave was all like, well, is it just Robot Chicken with Modoc?" And I'm like, no, it's not a sketch show, jerk. <laughs> okay. So when I all met... Stop, all stop motion animations is the same. My name's David Ungar. This was our, our meh, where Patrick and I disagreed on our meh moments, you know, where uh, right. where I was like, I was lukewarm on that. I was like, I was like, I, it, it looks interesting. And then, and then Patrick just med the entire uh, Scott Pilgrim universe, but that's all right. And Ready Whoa. Player Two, and Ready Player One, and Two. Well, yet yeah, not so much Two because we don't know anything about it. But Wait, Ready Player One, sure. Ready Player One. Pat wasn't yeah, into right. it. I know Ray, right? <laughs> oh man, like I love you, bro. But like, I'm not questioning our friendship. But like, I'm like thoughts are happening in my head right now. I mean, if you like pop culture references in a big fanboy wet dream that puts up women as this nerdy girl like it, i just don't it's to me it's not that special other than the whole vr concept which is what people get lost in and really don't look like it's just a bunch of pop culture dump in my opinion and it's stuff that to me it's like when jj abrams is trying to show how much he's like the rest of us by throwing <laughs> references to old Star Wars movies in his new Star Wars movies. It's the same sort of thing. The guy, and, and full disclosure, because Dave, I love Dave's reaction when I was like, man, he was like, well, have you read the book? And I was like, yes. And then I went on to explain that not only had I read the book, it was the first year student common read one year at the University of Massachusetts. And that Ernie Klein came and did a guest speaking gig at convocation for UMass and he brought his DeLorean and showed it off and not a damn one of those 18 year olds gave half a shit. And like they didn't care and they shouldn't care. And, and you know, and I love nostalgia. We talk about nostalgia all the time. It just, it didn't do it, to, didn't do it for me. And that's fine. Like you guys can like it. And that's why this is a great show, because we don't all agree on all the same nerdy stuff. You guys are just wrong in well, the nerdy stuff that you like versus <laughs> the nerdy stuff you don't well, like. Well, two of us agree. I don't. There's a third who doesn't, but two of us seem to agree a lot. Yeah, Ray, Ray and I right, seem to be I'm on the, the same con, page. I'm the conscientious dissenter. That's what I am. We got to get that so, East German judge shirt for Patrick Ray. We really so need. Oh, I love, so, it. I love it. So let's wrap it up. Let's wrap this week's show up by doing Patrick O'Dowd as a question. I've laid out there some very popular nerd culture things that I'm met on. What's one, we'll even just call it an unpopular opinion that you have, something everybody loves that you're just like, meh, out of the nerdosphere. Oh, I can give you that easy, Game of Thrones. All right. I'm four episodes in, and I, I yeah. so this, this will lose me a lot of credit, actually, but... And I can explain why it makes sense in my mind, but I admit it makes no sense to anybody else. But I have not, for the longest portion of my life, been a big fan of just pure fantasy. Like Lord of the Rings does nothing for me. Harry Potter does nothing for me. Things like this. 
but I'm also the the fanatic who buys comics every Wednesday and watches everything comic related. And no, it makes no sense. But in my mind, there's a difference, and it's not. So Game of Thrones, I appreciate the story aspect of it. I appreciate the storylines. I can tell you everything that's happened in the entire series. I can't sit down and watch it. I just can't do it. Well, this is okay. So, and I don't know if this came across when we reviewed it because it's been a long time. But as far as the Mandalorian is concerned, I'm kind of meh about the whole Baby Yoda thing. And I know a lot of people love him. And and I'm just like, all right. First of all, it's not Baby Yoda. I know it's not, but that's, you know what people, popular culture calls it Baby Yoda. And that's what they, but it it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't know. I don't know. For some reason, it just doesn't thrill me that much. And I don't know why. I can't even put my finger on it. But like everybody in my household just goes crazy for the child. They got mugs, shirts, and all this shit. They got an animatronic version of him on the way here any day now. And I'm just like, eh. So Dave, I'm not going to lie. You're making my heart smile right now. I'm like, my <laughs> man. If I could do the Denzel Washington gif right now that says, my man, that's what we'd be doing right now. But I love the show. I love it. And I love everything about Mandalorian. And I can't wait to see season two. But that aspect of it, and I know there's more to the child that we're going to get this season, but it's just like, okay, he's a cute animatronic baby version of Yoda. What's the big deal? Can I, can I further piss you guys off? Sure. Nobody's pissed I, here. We're all fine. I have, I haven't seen the Mandalorian. <sighs> well, now you know what you got to do. Right, Ray, you got to get caught up. Before, you're on the yeah, show. you got to get caught up, Ray. You'll like it if you like Star Wars and you don't think Rise of Skywalker is trash, like one Mister O'Dowd does. <laughs> then you'll probably like. Even if you do think Rise of Skywalker is trash, you might still like Mandalorian because Patrick does. So, so I don't, I don't think Rise of Skywalker is trash. I don't think it's good. I think it's redeeming. But I, I have not been able to sit through to read through a uh, uh, Rogue One. I can't get through it. Oh, there's oh, something, there's something like about it that's a that great just movie. won't let me get. I, and I, I believe you, but I thirty minutes in, it's like, yeah, what else is going on? I don't know what it is. And, and wow. Solo is underrated. I, I mean, I'll still die on that hill that I thought Solo okay. was very underrated. But okay. I mean, right? All bullshitting aside, Rise of Skywalker's it's 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 fine, you know, but it's it's nothing great. No, it but fine? it's redeeming. It's, it's fine. It has... In your words, Patrick, it's fine. <laughs> you started <laughs> off saying it was dumb. fine like a year ago. Now it's trash. It's it's gradually it's it's evolved. Here's the thing is, it's is, decomposed. It's a, on, here's the thing is I've I've watched this movie more than once. Like I own it because again, completist own all these. Of course. Every time I rewatch it, I get more I get I get more angry at it. Like, I get more angry at it. In fact, what did I just share in the chat? Yet another reason to piss the thing about oh, the, Snoke. The Snoke. Yeah. About now we got to write something extra to explain Snoke. That's a problem. But in fair, so, and I know you're not big on the extended universe, but in fairness, man, there's like seven seasons of Clone Wars that ties in all sorts of well, things. Well, but, here, but here's the thing is, I don't have a problem with a story that is an offshoot that doesn't explain like that is its own story. What, what I have a problem is, is when we have to make shows like one of my big problems with a general grievous is that you have to watch these animated shows to really get in any sort of level of understanding about why you should give a shit about Jennifer general grievous in the third movie. 
Whereas if, if you've done a good story and you're telling a good narrative, you don't need that stuff. Supplemental should enhance. It shouldn't fix. And a lot of this stuff is an attempt to fix. Like, and that's like where, the and that's, Right. And so Rise of Skywalker, the real problem that I have with Rise of Skywalker is that all this shit exists and we're just supposed to accept it as it is until we get the supplemental stuff that's going to fix it. And that's not a good story. It's a terrible story that makes me scream at the television screen. I understand. I mean, my th- thought is they want you to explore that greater universe. But you but you shouldn't. I know you shouldn't if, have to. Explore, but they want- well, but here's the thing is exploring that greater universe to me, like telling the story of the Mandalorian, I find to be an interesting story because it's exploring the greater universe and it's telling you all these things. But it's not like I needed to watch Star Wars to then or I had to watch the Mandalorian to then understand Star Wars. And what I'm seeing in some of the and in a lot of these other things is you have to read or you have to watch this thing to then understand something. They're retconning like crazy. That sucks. That's terrible movie making. To 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 Pat to Pat's point, when they made Rise of Skywalker, I'm sure they imagined at least one and a half billion, right? At least a billion, right? You can't make that much money and reach that many that many masses of people, expecting people to be like to all be diehard nerd fans who've seen every single episode in Clone Wars and this and that and have the books that people you, you can't because everybody's not going to be interested in that. Some people just want to see a movie. And for right. them, if there are plot holes that only people who have who are as diehard into it as, as possible can be like, ha, I got it. You're kind of killing part of the enjoyment. Well, Rise, Rise of, Sk- of Skywalker is a movie that shouldn't be seen more than once anyway. Rise of Skywalker has plot sinkholes, definitely. Exactly. And on that note, we're going to conclude this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Again, a big thanks to Tim Carlson from Staff and Branch coming on the show. Next week, fellas, we start the countdown to one year on the bandwagon with The Villain Project. We are going to cover our top 10 comic book villains of TV and film next week. So each one of us will make our own individual list. Be sure to tune in because there's no show to cover. So it's all going to be this top 10. Very, very excited. This hopefully will encompass the two hours that we usually put into the show because we go on forever. Dave, no honorable mentions. You're going to do it anyway, but no honorable mentions. No. I, I do clarification. So these are villains, superhero villains in or comic book villains in movies. TV or film. TV or film. Yeah, so, yes, Got either. Okay. So television or movies. Okay. Well, I, and, I, and it has to be of a comic book origin. Yes, we are a bandwagon nerd show. Uh, let's embrace all of the comic books. Uh, and in particular with this, actor portrayals, I think, are just as important as anything. Because, for example, you have multiple options for the Joker. Uh, two of them will probably be on my list. I'm, that would hit. Shit. Two of them. Oh, wink, so wink, nod, nod. Two of them might be one, too, actually. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, so. Letting you guys go before we go. Why don't you tell everybody where they can find you out there in the interwebs? David Ungar, why don't you go first? You can uh, find me on Twitter at Attitude Ag. That is at Attitude A-G-G. And on Facebook.com slash Attitude of Aggression. It's, oh, it's Michael. Okay. It's your you, can find me, you can find me at um, Wrestling Realist without the I in wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and you can also find me at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. Um, yeah. 
I'll let you boy. Excellent. And you can find me on the Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can catch this episode of the Bandwagon Nerds and every episode of the Bandwagon Nerds on the Chairshot Radio Network on the Chairshot.com every Monday. And you can also catch me every Wednesday on the Greg DeMarco Show where I talk wrestling with Greg DeMarco and Miranda Morales. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. I forgot to say follow us on Twitter, too. Um, so make sure you do that at Bandwagon Nerds. And now that'll do it for this week's edition. Get yourself out of the basements, get some sunshine, and come back next week when we list our top 10 villains, comic book villains of TV and film. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds. Hello again, friend of a friend. I knew you were. I come. you talking about you just drank half and half baby freeze vegan police vegan police todd ingram you're under arrest for veganity violation code number 827 and and a half and half it's bull roar no vegan diet no vegan powers but but it's only my first offense so don't i get three strikes i mean take it at 12 27 a.m on february 1st you know only ingested gelato gelato isn't vegan it's milk and eggs, bitch. On April 4th, 7.30 p.m., you partook a plate of chicken parmesan. <gasps> chicken isn't vegan? <laughs>